you're tuned to The Trail Show. Get on the trail! We're talking about dirt, mud, blood, and guts. Que no parece fiesta. It's The Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. What the hell are you two doing, Mike? Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. What are you girls doing up here? Mike D'Lo DiLorenzo. Yo! What? Junaid Special 41. Daoud. I don't think you need to tell him, but it pop if you got some of them little brandy on the little nub nub or something or something. And now, broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's The Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Walters Studio in Salida, Colorado's historic beer district. It is The Trail Show, and we are live at our Sangre de Cristo telecasting complex. Ladies and gentlemen, can I get a what, what? What? What, what? Okay. Trail Show is a monthly mashup of all things trail and has been downloaded over half a million times in 152 countries. We're going to have to talk about that in a bit. Anyway, we are heard worldwide on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and at thetrailshow.com. Before we set the table for today's show, we have a plethora of in-studio guests that we must introduce. Ladies and gentlemen, they were taping a special across the hall. In-studio this month are past trail show guests that may be a father and son duo. Steven Twinkle Shattuck and Ryan Dirtmonger Silva. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for coming back on the show this month and filling the rather large shoes that Mike DiLorenzo left when he flew out to DC a few days ago. Those are hard to and, and good luck, DiLo. You know, good luck and Godspeed. It's, it's a big swamp to drink. We'll have multiple beers for him tonight. We've got a big show today. It's going to be huge. Big. Let's give the folks a sneak peek. What are we going to be serving up this month, P.O.D.? Um, well, I, I'm actually going to wipe up all this beer that I spilled before I serve anything Ooh, up. Oh, um, yeah. What I got happened? most of it in the cooler. I'm good. Um, we're going to you know, be talking about trail news. We're going to talk about the rucks that are coming up. We've got, we're going to address the countries, downloaded shows in downloaded countries. Downloaded shows in different countries. Sorry. Yeah, we have <laughs> a, a fake news issue. And uh, let's see what else. We've got our trail of the month. Yes. Very exciting. You going to talk more about that? Can, can we tease it? GBR? The GBR. We'll, stands we'll leave for it a lot that. of things. GBT. GBT. Oh, GBT. No, wait. What did I? I forgot LBR. what I hiked. <laughs> Great Basin Route or no, Great GBT. Basin Trail? Great trail. Basin Trail. Yeah. Okay. Very good. No, it's Great Basin Traverse. That's what was confusing me. Okay. Traverse. Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, we got some trail tips. We got lots of uh, trips that we've done. Pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do some conservation awareness with another special guest. We've got lots of letters this month. Huge Ooh, mailbag. Like letters. Huge. Letters yes. are fun. And I know big mailbags. This is a big mailbag. I heard it was bigger than Santa's bag. It's big. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we got lots of beer. <laughs> uh, plenty. Yeah, we yeah. do. We do have lots of beer. And speaking of that, we should probably just talk right about it. Yeah. Let's jump into it. And now we're going to no, get into we should still call it that. My favorite segment, the late Mike DiLorenzo's beer of the month. RIP. Curtis Barrett sent us a selection via a uh, bald eagle. He sent us a selection of beers from SoCal. Woo woo. Yeah, mm. yeah, SoCal. you're from SoCal, yeah. man. Yeah. And uh, so far, we just started opening them, and we opened a 
Strand Brewing, 24th Street Pale Ale. Okay. Small Batch Unfiltered. Yeah. And I just opened the Cuddlebug from Smog City. And we have mm. three more beers from Smog City that we're going to sample. All um, right. Okay. This one is a peach sour. Is, Ooh. is that the one you just poured for me? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty excited uh, about the Cuddlebug. Yeah. So. Um, the Cuddlebug. There's a little bit left. You guys want? You guys want to finish that? Will you pass that over to them? And uh, that is delicious. Yeah. So, hmm. and and so anyway, we've got uh, I think seven more bombers that he sent to us that we're gonna. Curtis, you and shouldn't. I have. just want to say he sent an incredible selection. Not only that, he was sending it via Bald Eagle, and he was very conscientious about how to package these materials. And I just want to compliment him on his use of high end. Ziplocs that I'm going to reuse for backpacking. So Ooh, thank you for that. High end and Ziplocs. new rubber bands. Definitely new rubber bands. Wow. Yes. High end Ziplocs. What's yeah, a, yeah, no, what's no, a no, high no, end cr- Ziploc? Because I usually buy the, the, the store name brand. brand. Uh, name brand, brand baby. The Ziploc, like the freezer bags. Wow. Yeah. Really nice. Is it, isn't Ziploc the name of the brand? I know, anyways? but that's just what we call them all. It's like Kleenex. Not everything's really yeah, or Walkman Kleenex. or yeah. like calling fast food all McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. Not acceptable. Got it. So, Curtis Barrett, we salute you, man. Yes, sir. And thank you. It's an incredible, yes, incredible selection. We're going to be getting into it. Pretty exciting. All right, look who just walked into the room. Ladies and gentlemen, he too was taping a special across the hall this week. In studio, we have Marcus Selig from the National Forest Foundation. Marcus, thanks for joining us on the trail show. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Yeah, you bet, man. And we're going to have Marcus, we're going to be doing a little interview with Marcus later on in the show. Um, so stick around and help us drink some beer before before that. We, we my need okay, very good. All right, we got some trail news, and that would be all the news that's fit to be heard with Mister Special Forty One. Take it away. Right on, man. <laughs> all right, are we ready to hit some some points here, folks? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right, we're going to start off with the uh, the U.S. House changed its rules. Um, pretty much like the first thing they did as soon as they they sat down and said, "Hi, guys." Welcome to Congress. They said, hey, you know what we should do? We should make it way easier for us to give away all of our public federal lands uh, to the states so that they can just sell them off to uh, mining and logging operations and stuff. So, um, so, yeah, they did that literally like one of the first things that they did. I think the first thing was they said, hey, let's get rid of that whole like ethics oversight mm-hmm. group. Oh, yeah. Um, the tattletales. Make sure that like we're not you know, being too shysty. Uh, so they did that, and they, and everybody got very angry at them for that. So they kind of they backtracked on that, but they did not backtrack on this uh, this change to their rules that's going to allow for a, an easier time for those who want to uh, you know take those wonderful public federal lands that we all own and try to turn them over to state control. And we know what that really means Rape is the tillage. states exactly are just going to sell it off or or lease it off to mining and. And forest operations. So, um, anyway, so they did that, uh, and then, um, as you may know, uh, outdoor retailer uh, is doing their winter winter expo, OR. Yeah, in uh, in Utah. One of the big pushers for this public lands transfer is actually our our good friend from Utah. Mm. Yeah, the senator, the one that the, I love Mr. so much, B. the Orn yeah. Hatch. The one. Okay. So, as well as some others, but, uh, you know, Utah is definitely one of the, the, the hotbeds for this uh, public lands transfer. In response to some of this stuff that's been going off, Peter Metcalf, who you may recognize as the, uh, 
the guy who started Black Diamond. Okay. Yeah, the gear company. So he wrote an op-ed for the uh, Salt Lake Tribune. Um, Patagonia also put out an an op-ed afterwards. Uh, But they basically said, hey, we love Utah. Uh, Outdoor industry loves Utah. We've been coming to, you know, bringing the, the OR show there for... Uh, gosh, a long time. I, you know, it's many, many while. years. You know, yeah. and he was actually one of the people who uh, was part of bringing it to Utah in the first place. Um, so he's saying, "Let's get out of here." Uh, he basically his take is, you know, that the the outdoor industry uh, creates a lot of jobs and brings a lot of money into Utah, and OR itself is a huge cash cow for the you know the the communities. Uh, of Utah uh, during the two shows that they do each year. Yeah. So he's saying, listen, if y'all want to take all these public lands, which is one of the things that people really love about Utah is like the access to these amazing public lands. It, if y'all are going to try to give away this, our national birthright like this, then we don't want to come here and do our stuff. Wow. So they're pushing to get outdoor retailer out of there. They're trying to hit them in the yeah. pocketbook. Yeah. As it trying were. to tell them what's up. And, you know, the thing is, is Utah has, uh, uh, University of Utah did a, um, a study, uh, they, or they've, they've got some statistics that basically one in 10 people, at least in 2013, the most recent year for which the data was available, um, in 2013, one in 10 people directly employed in the outdoor industries. That's my wow. point. I didn't wow. realize that about Utah. Yeah, it's huge. It's because surprising. think about it. They've got all those national parks, right? Yep. So, so you have people who are either working for the park services or working for vendors to yeah. the park services. Yep. You've got people who are running guiding operations, renting uh, equipment, so outfitters who are selling stuff as well. So you got a lot of people who are, and that's one in 10 direct jobs. Right. And right? then there's all the associated hospitality. And well, yeah. And those people, <laughs> once they get their paycheck, where are they going? You know, they're going to the grocery store, they're going to the gas station, they're, yeah. they're putting money back into the economy. Um, and so those have a sort of a magnifying effect in creating more downstream jobs. But when you can tie one in 10 jobs in your state directly to your outdoor recreation industry, the idea of taking some of these lands and, you know, in any way threatening access or degrading them through mining and things like that, just, just not a good idea. So, yeah. It's, so yeah, um, there's definitely this push on, on the part of uh, some of the, the big names in OR to, to get it out of there. And I've heard rumblings for a while that Denver is really interested in having OR. I'm sure that we would love to have them. Yeah. Yeah, come on out. SIA the following week, so. What's going on the following week? SIA? Yep, talking to the Red Dot. The Ski Industry Association meeting. Okay. And so a lot of the same folks move from Salt Lake to Denver the next week, so it makes sense to Uh, do both in one place. Twinkle, what were you... I was just about to ask, what are the other places that could actually hold something like this, like Denver, Seattle... Portland, maybe San Diego. San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The one in ten thing kind of got me. To, I, I feel like there would be more, but it, that's probably in the Salt Lake area. If you went to all those towns near those areas, it's more than one in ten people. Employed I, I'm sure in some industry. areas, it's it, it's, it's got to be five. Got to be a lot more than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, I think that number was for across the whole, across the whole state. state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's I I believe that. I yeah. Mean, but there's yeah there's so many national parks there's so many uh, state parks as well um, mm-hmm. you know so there's there's a lot of anybody who's gone to Utah to play you know there's it's like oh geez there's such a huge list to choose from where oh, yeah. should we go 
and and everywhere that you go, there's people working those jobs. So it's a it's a it's a big deal. Uh, and you you know, I would think that if you're an elected official, your interest is going to be a little bit more aligned with like the one in ten people in your state that have a job that they'd like to keep. Sure. Rather than like the possibility of like giving leases to mining and 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 in Utah, let's be real, it's mostly mining, um, but to give it away to like mining interests and like let some of these amazing places get destroyed. And then, cause, cause once you do that, you can't come back and be like, all right, done with the mining. All you people <laughs> that got unemployed there for several years that were in the outdoor industry, come, come on back now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot, a lot harder to build something. Well, I, I think broke it's, it. I think it's short sighted, but I think it's all about who's lining their pockets. Right. Absolutely. And I, I mean, honestly, I think that's an Amer- very American trait these days is the short-sightedness and mm. doing for now and all those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is that these... So our na- Well, actually, so we'll move on because okay. so some, yeah. some of the rest of this actually sort of ties back in as well. Okay. Um, Obama, he has just become the person who has used the Antiquities Act to protect the most land, the most number of places of any president by two, but still, none, nonetheless. Yeah. Right. Uh, yesterday, as of the taping of the show yesterday, uh, he actually announced five more. Um, three of these national monuments are actually ones in the South uh, that have to do with the civil rights movement. Um, so these are going to be like, uh, including like the motel or the hotel that, uh, that Martin Luther King stayed at uh, in the early 60s when they were organizing like, you know, some of the protests and things like that. Um, it also includes like a uh, church that was firebombed, a um, number of other, other yeah. places. Uh, he also, yesterday, as part of these five, two of those were actually an expansion of the Siskiyou Cascades uh, National Monument. And then the other one um, added some locations to the, uh, the California uh, Coastal um, Monument. So, uh, yeah, definitely pretty cool. And, as of course, we all know he, a few, you know, several days ago, um, announced two other ones, the Bears Ear being the the big one um, that people were kind of hoping for, hoping for, or right. in the case of uh, some of those people who are into the public lands transfer idea, not uh, hoping for, not hoping for, um, <laughs> right. because the whole thing is once a president uh, sets these things aside, uh, the Antiquities Act doesn't actually allow for a future president to undo the ah. the, the designation. Wow. However. There has been precedent of of some of the monuments being reduced in size by some presidents, hmm. so it's not entirely out of the realm that like you know there could be some sort of a threat there from our Current. Im- imminent president um, so in any case uh, yeah, the problem though is that Congress can still attack the antiquities act right so uh, so if Congress decides that they want to try to you know. Um, either expand presidential authority when it comes to nixing old monuments and parks and things like that, they could potentially do that. They could also themselves, you know, sort of try to roll back the uh, the clock on some of these things and, and unprotect these areas that, let's be real, they should be protected. You know, the more, the, honestly, the more land we can protect, pretty much the better, you know. Uh, we don't have a great track record uh, of taking great, care of the lands that we decide to occupy and we definitely start pouring things on the ground that shouldn't be there and burning things that shouldn't be there and cutting things down and moving things around and before you know it critters can't live and yeah so no good no bueno 
Yeah, so not not a fun uh, trail news segment yeah, man, this come month. On. What's, I'm, what's I'm sorry. I'm what's so sorry on? about that. And you know what? You, y'all are going to hate me even more because we're going to move on to some lighter topics here for a second. Sweet. But, but this next one isn't very fun. Oh. Uh, turns out ramen, dangerous. Oh. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is heartbreaking. So... Uh, and it's even more heartbreaking for women because these uh, negative impacts um, have been observed to be uh, far worse for women than they are for men. Now, What's is it possible this is a fake news story and that it's not ramen is actually good for us? Like, wh- I mean, is it is it possible? <laughs> what, what are the ramifications? What what, what happens? So, so it's like metabolic syndrome, um, and uh, and then well, some other easy. words. What does that mean? It just, makes you fat or what? Just keep hiking. <laughs> you'll metabolize it so yeah it's basically it it messes with like your ability to um digest things properly and it'll like mess up your uh it can it can well here let me read a quick ep- a quick excerpt actually where's this coming from man i'm very skeptical of this the information it's, it's, oh, it, this is an onion article huh no unfortunately it's the journal of nutrition <laughs> which is a peer-reviewed publication oh. the findings were published last week uh and um, it basically says that uh, if you eat ramen noodles as little as two times per week, uh, you, have, you have far greater odds of developing metabolic syndrome with its host of prominent symptoms, namely obesity, particularly abdominal area, diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Uh, women are at an increased risk. Uh, this study actually bolsters previous research done on rats um, that had mainly had to do with MSG, but... Um, yeah, so no, no bueno, man. Um, they had a total of 10,700 adults that were part of this study. Uh, this was a study... None of them were through hikers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, yeah, none, they, that's true. They were actually all Asians. Uh, they, they, they went to South <laughs> Korea and did this one. Because I think, like a lot of things that are bad for you, like... It's probably not good for you to eat Snickers bars every day or... You shut your mouth. Uh, you know, a bunch of the <laughs> crap that we eat. But I think when you're through hiking, it's okay. Yeah, mayonnaise and ramen. You're good. Oh, you go. that's, that's, that's foul, like man. That's like that and refried beans that is, every day. That McDoubles. is terrible advice. What they should really be eating every 20 minutes is handfuls of Skittles and jelly beans, yes. okay? With some craisins. Well, okay, I wouldn't remove the salt packet from, but, uh, from the ramen, but I don't care if they build a rat's nest in my stomach with the noodles or whatever. <laughs> I love it, man. So, yeah, <laughs> in any case, if you're really Hardcore. into ramen, yeah. don't look up information for this because you, then you're going to send hiking. me hate mail telling me that I've ruined ramen for you, and I'm sorry. I'm already sorry. I'm off the trail. I'm what? sorry. No, he doesn't eat ramen. Nah, Isn't it? But I, it's not, even for people who don't have a lot of money who want a through hike, you just buy 3,000 packages yeah. of ramen. Some yeah. ramen noodles. Oh, man. gosh, no, don't do that. You just pick them out of hiker boxes. Oh, that's it's true. Yeah, yeah. Come on. What else yeah. you got? Special? What else is on the dock? Uh, just one last thing, and we're, we're um, ending on sort of an entertaining note. I, I came across an article in the Oregonian um, talking about a, uh, somebody who came back from the Pacific Crest Trail and uh, moved into a storage locker. Oh, yes. And lived in a storage locker for a couple months. They like, built some shelves in there and like, put a little water area, like, watering system of some kind in there and some, got some electricity and whatnot. <laughs> and lived in there for like two months. They uh, they put up a, a video on YouTube, which you can find. Um, I think it's just titled like "Living Out of a Storage Locker" or something like that. <laughs> we'll post a link. Yeah. So it's but it's it's entertaining. But um, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of people living in their vans, right? 
Yeah. I feel like a storage so locker is a little more You're comfortable. For it. It's a step yeah. Up. yeah the problem, yeah. Do we have unfortunately, a... unfortunately, it's totally legal, which I think uh, is the reason they don't mention the guy's name anywhere. Do we have a hashtag for that it. type of life yet? <laughs> Ooh. Hashtag <laughs> storage life. Yeah. <laughs> storage life. <laughs> so I mean, like it's it. not real unless it gets a hashtag. That's, That's true. Right. That's storage life. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I feel like we could probably get get in on that storage wars show somehow with it. You know, Ooh, like yeah, they're like, oh, I wonder what's yeah. in there, and then they remove the they boxes. Have oh, no there's idea. a human living yeah, in here. Yeah, like they open it up and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, are we interrupting something? Yeah, yeah. But they would have no idea how much that sleeping bag is. That's true. Yeah, that's, they'd probably sell point. it for like twenty bucks. Yeah, you were like, oh, no, it's a feathered friend. <laughs> Thank you, special, and thanks for not running out the door this week. I appreciate yeah, it. I Although it'd be almost impossible to <laughs> get out of this room. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that if I tried to run through the maze of uh, of, of cords and circuitry going on here, I'd probably somehow get like tied up, strangled, and electrocuted. Yeah, it could, or us, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But if I, I came know. back as like a superhero, that might be kind of cool. All right, we have to uh, we have to post a correction from last week's show. This is very embarrassing, but apparently we passed on some fake news. So yeah. last week's show... Can we blame it on D-Lo? We not here. Well, actually... We could. Yeah. We yeah. could, but we actually, could. Dirtmonger wanted to blame what? it on the listeners. Yep, he did. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's, let's tell folks what happened before we start placing blame. That's true, yeah. So last week, I made an announcement that the trail show had been downloaded in 182 countries. Well, we put our... Our crack team of statisticians on that list this week. We even and, got the geographers to help out. And as it turns out, some of the countries that were listed on that spreadsheet were not actually countries. Yeah. There were places listed like unknown and places listed like anonymous. But, and, an, but and anonymous like the suburbs of Paris or something. I don't know. So we, we retallied the numbers and we came up with, what, 152 countries? And do we have a list of... We so do. We have a list of all the countries that we're not downloaded in. Yes. But I think we should talk about one in particular. Okay, please. Cuba. Cuba. We've never been downloaded what's in up, Cuba? What's up, Triple O? Out of order. His people are from Cuba. Yeah. Yeah, man. what's this is uh, on you. We blame you personally. This is on you, man. Yeah, dude. That Call we your have family. not been downloaded in Cuba. This is unacceptable. Well, there is internet in Cuba, yes, right? Yes, there is. Can we find out how many Cubans have downloaded the show? No. Oh. It, it, well, that might yeah. make up. For if Cuba. you're a Cuban and you've downloaded the show, email us. Yeah. <laughs> we we also know we have not been downloaded in the Vatican. So yeah. if someone can get around to that, we'd appreciate that also. Yeah. If you're, if you're Catholic, one. just like pass, the, yeah, pass it all in. No. So no. Our statisticians say no. No, hmm. no Zool, Vatican Zool, downloads. Zool, do you see any other low-hanging fruit on that list that we can focus on? I know Ang- Angola was on there. No one from Angola. Well, I think we're talking about low-hanging fruit. Okay. I mean, why, so why can't we blame the listeners? Lichtenstein. How come yeah. nobody knows where they're at? Monaco. Oh, yeah. No one right? in Monaco. Really, well, Monaco? No, come on. No, because it it tracks your IP address, I believe. Right. So it's the IP's fault. I, I wonder if maybe some of these smaller countries don't actually have their own thing, oh, and like that if could somebody be. downloads from that place, it actually goes to like. Somewhere whatever, else. like the country next to it that actually handles all their internet traffic or something. Yeah, yeah it could be. Well, anyway, it's 152 countries, so we've got a lot more work before we conquer the world. That's right. So get, if get after it, Trail Show If we're not downloaded in Cuba nation, by the next month, then... I'm going to go there myself and download it. Yes. it got to be if, a cheap flight if anybody, if anybody can go to Cuba and download the Trail Show and, and show us video or pictures yes. of that happening, we will send you something, something. cool. 
When we come back from break, we're going to be featuring the Great Basin Traverse with Dirt Mongers. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. Trail Show. We'll be back. Oh, Whoop. and we'll be listening to the song stylings of one Pat Axel Dixon yes. as we go to break. Right yes. on. Trail Show. We'll be back. This is Rigatoni. And this is Angel Hair. And we're the Noodle Heads. And you're listening to The Trail Show. And big thanks to Pat Axel Dixon for that music. By the way, we just got a little factoid. Dirtmonger, you gave Axel his trail name, is that correct? I think you might remember that, but yeah, out in Lordsburg. What were the circumstances? He was describing how he could play guitar, and then he started singing in that high-pitched voice. And on the and like goes right before the shuttle ride down to the CDT. Okay. And it was in like a hotel, and he just started singing a high pitched voice. Sh- should we play a little bit of that song? That, yeah. Okay, I cool. think we should. <laughs> back on the trail, back on the trail. We don't stop till we get up that hill. Back on the trail, back on the trail. All right, that's Pat that's Axel Dixon with his one hit wonder. That's it. Back, back on, on the trail. trail. So that's so you, you heard this and you said Axel. I I'm, I think because I was okay. thinking like you should spell it A X L. Like I remember that. I mean, okay, it's been a couple years now, but A X Y L and a couple beers with a Y. Is that well? A X L is how Axel Rose spells it. Uh, yeah, I think he. Yeah, so if I think gonna... he adds a Y. I, oh no, no, no. Yes. I think Pat Dixon adds a Y. Yes, I hope so. It's more rocker if it's A X L. It's true, but it's more stripper if it has a Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe point. Point. is he stripping then? That... Maybe while he's singing. Yeah, I thought it's more stripperish if it's with an I. Oh. Like Kelly with an I rather than Kelly with a Y. No, it's like winter with a Y. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, so there's exactly. there's dual I's and Y thing there. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. switch them. Around. It depends just on the it, name. Man. Okay, let's get into Trail of the Month, for the love of God. All right, stop talking about strippers. (laughs) Traverse of the Month, I guess. All right, so we're talking about the GBT this month, the Great Basin Traverse. You know, I've never heard it called the GBT until tonight. Okay, what'd you call it? This is the Great Basin Traverse. We gotta. If it doesn't have three letters or four letters, it's not a trail, man. I'm sorry. Dirtmonger walks thousands of miles. He's not a man for brevity. That's true. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I do. Good point. Well, I do have an acronym for my name. It's just DM. That's yeah. Yeah. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, man. Did, did, Pat, did Pat Dixon give you that? <laughs> no. no. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Oh, what am I talking about? <laughs> okay, Great Basin Traverse. <laughs> where the hell is it? Where Where do you start? Where do you end? What? Talk to us about this thing. I mean, this this isn't on a map anywhere. It wasn't no. in the most recent issue of Backpacker Magazine. <laughs> no. So what what is it? I haven't even, like, plotted it out on a map. Um I guess it's something that's in my head, which I've walked, but I've kept it in my head, and uh, I hope to p- walk it again one day to plot it out, because I think it's a worthwhile route. Um, it starts um, nowhere. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you, had, you, you started walking somewhere. No, I know, but it, like, it's, okay, Willow Springs, which is on the border of California, Nevada, right where Death Valley ends. Okay. There's a spring there called Willow Springs, and, and it, it's right where the desert trail basically 
I, I used the jet desert trail up until the Silver Peak Range. And from the Silver Peak Range, Silver Peak Range, I divert off that. Um, the desert trail would go north until I think it's Fish Creek Valley or something like that. I basically divert towards Tonopah. The only reason I want to go to Tonopah is for the Clown Motel, really. Um, seriously, <laughs> okay. a, yeah, like that's kind of why I walked through that town. Just did you the, have Clown Mouth when you got there? I did. I did have Clown Mouth. <laughs> did you stay the at the Clown Motel? You have to stay at the Clown Mouth. That's part of the route. Part of the deal. Did yeah. you get murdered while you were there? <laughs> so weird. But there's clowns everywhere, all around there, and I was just like, "Can I get a room, please?" And then I got a room, but. There were still clowns in the room as well, but there's like what, 3,000 what? Weird, a room with man. a clown. Yeah. Are, are like the bed sheets clown? No, just they had little tiny, like the room was just, the walls were pretty much bare with little tiny clown pictures. D- did it have any what? like creepy night lights that were clowns? Or anything no. Like? The office cool. is weird and there's a big sign. You know, like in Vegas, you have the Circus, yeah. Circus Hotel and a big old clown line. That's, that's kind of how the sign is out front. Man, there's a little town down the road called Monte Vista and they used to have a bar there called the Shy Clown. <laughs> It's and true. it wow. had a picture of a clown painted onto right above the door. There were no windows anywhere in the building. One door. Like we always wondered, like what's Are you behind sure that the was door? Actually, a bar. Mm. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know, man. Don't know, man. But Marcus, yeah, did you ever go to the Shy Clown? I, I've never been, but I've heard it advertised on the radio. They get good music at the Shy huh. Clown. Live music? Wow. Yeah, live music at the Shy Clown. Well, oh. if, I, if I ever open up a bar, I'm going to call it the Clown Mouth. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right, so back to this great base of traverse. Um, yeah. After you left the Clown Motel, where did you go? Um, you go north, and it's it's interestingly enough, it does. When I was creating this route, or at least trying to, well, I just wanted to hike somewhere in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I guess I can go back to that. The reason yeah. I created this route was I really wanted to to highlight the least used public lands in the states. Um, okay. I I really think that. There was a big trend of, well, it's still kind of a trend of everyone just trying to hike the most popular trails. And, and there's a big part of the country that is just as scenic as any other part of the country that um, no one really hikes. So um, going through this area, I mean, I love deserts. I love basins and deserts. I kind of grew up in that area. I really wanted to just highlight that type of area. And I wanted to, to, I wanted to treat it like a canvas, like a blank sheet of, of canvas. And, you know, like basically I wanted to paint a picture with my feet versus yeah. versus like plotting something on a computer or a, sure. or whatever. So um nice. nice excuse one. me. I'll, that's <laughs> good <laughs> mic technique. <laughs> Next time I'll just burp. Take in the notes. Phone. Take that's that's POD. <laughs> I don't burp in the mic. What? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Continue, please. So so that was kind of my premise behind it. And when I was looking at this uh route, you know, like researching everything, um researching mountain ranges and scouring maps and stuff like that, I did come across what Zoner had uh, come up with, um, and, and I really didn't know about it until like I was almost trail. yeah the Hot Springs Trail. So he has a Nevada trail in there, and I noticed that we had some overlapping theme within it. Yeah, of course he was really trying to hit a lot of, of the hot springs, and yeah, m- for me it was more or less I really wanted to highlight a lot of the rugged mountain ranges within the central part of the state. Okay, um, so once I left Tonopah, um, there's a range there called the San Antonio Range, and you know. I just kind of walked south from what I the maps I had gathered and um, was it just like USGS maps. I didn't use like Caltopo or anything at the mm-hmm. time. I, have, I didn't use GPS for it at all. I just basically walked into the desert and um, and but, I did, by the way, not a good idea for most people. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. I would say like the the you know 
by doing that, like I, I didn't know where my water was a lot of time. I, mean, I guess I just, in hindsight, I look at it more as like a caveat. When I was doing it, it was just like F- it, and yeah. and that's kind of how I wanted. I you know I had done the PCT, the CDT, and then I did the vagabond loop, and and I kind of felt like the next the next thing for me as a as a trail walker or as a route walker was to just like go out in the land and see what you could do. Not like in a survival technique where I'm trying to like kill animals and eat them. And, right. But just to like create a route just by what I feel like I want to go do. Okay. Um, I love that type of environment. You know, I'm sure someone could do that in the Pacific Northwest because they might like a rainier type of terrain. I really like arid, dry, extreme conditions, hot and cold. Um, it's, it's just who I am, I guess. So leaving Tonopah, I hit the the San Antonio range, little low lying range, sagebrush up on top with some junipers mixed here and there. Beautiful range, not really used a lot. I mean, there's a mine on the the San Antonio mine, if I recall, is up on the northwest portion of it. I actually found had to get off the crest to go try to find water in, in an area. You know, you basically see a drainage. Yeah. Maybe there's water, you know, big enough drainage. You try to go find water, and you know, good enough. There was old dams built from who knows what or old you know ranchers would have cattle there i'd find cattle peppered throughout the whole area and so, and then it, between that range i'd have a big basin to cross and then i got to the uh the toyabes which yeah i've heard about the toyabes. that is isn't there a toyabe crest trail yeah like yeah if there's when they talk about nevada hiking who talks about nevada hiking? i don't you know but zoner yeah zoner yeah we and you probably, yeah <laughs> that's about it we're just two dorks talking about nevada but uh, the you know most people talk about the Ruby Crest Trail like that's yeah. a, a big highlight because those mountains are kind of Sierra esque and um, um, they call them the Alps of Nevada. But hmm. um, the Toyabe Crest Trail is if I had to recommend one like one mountain range to go do in Nevada is the Toyabe Crest Trail. It's like seventy miles long. Um, there's like basically two terminus for it, termini, and you can come from either direction. But I I chose to just like split the gap and come up over cross country and and hit the trail and then go straight up arc dome that sounds hardcore which is the arc dome yeah arc dome it's the highest point in that range and from there you hit the crest trail and you just go down and and this is where i go ahead twinkle is it rugged is it a trail or is this the top of the crest is a trail like it's 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 kind of like in the san juans you don't have the rut like the san juans it's more or less because not as many people traveled it so it's it's kind of just a vestige of trail um, up on top of the crest, but leading up to it, you can find stuff going up and going over cross country, something like that. You're just following like game trails or just whatever you can. But once you're That's up awesome. on the crest, there's like trail, and then when it kind of dips down, you're still following trail. It might be overgrown by sagebrush or something like that. But there was uh, I encountered quite a bit of snow a little bit at that point. Um, by the time I got to Kingston Canyon, which is kind of popular for hunters and and fish fishermen, um, I did get hit in a storm pretty good. Um, what time of year? I went in May. I think I was a tad early. Okay. Um, What's the elevation there? The Toyabe, the Arc Dome gets up to like 11.5. Oh, okay. wow. I'm, I'm tall. I might be off plus or minus 200 feet or something. The Crest Trail, you know, you, you frequently stay up at 10,000. It does dip down for a bit, and it, it kind of splits in a certain section. So you, you, you could take one trail or the other, and it's not really well marked on a map. So I ended up taking a different route, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't the right trail. So I just cross country back over. That's cool. Like, what do you think your total mileage was for the whole route? Uh, yeah, the whole Great Basin Traverse. I would say six fifty to seven hundred. Okay. And I 
did a lot of my miles by you know the the whole finger method on a map or just <laughs> time times can you br- can you briefly explain the finger method on a map to our listeners because <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of them that have no clue what uh, you're you know like about. a half inch maybe a, a mile so i you know try to f- look at a half inch with the finger finger yeah. method and kind of plot guesstimate. It along. yeah guesstimate and of course you have all the twists and turns so Sometimes you add a little bit more, and I tend to like add a little less, just because I, you know, it's probably more or less motivated. That's how I motivate myself is kind of keep my expectations lower, even though I might have done more miles. But um, so I, the, the northern terminus is at the ICT, uh, okay. the Idaho Centennial yeah. Trail. Oh, okay. The up there, so near Jarbage. Yep. So um, from the Toyabes, I went down to Kingston, and so that's where like Zoner would have gone north. Okay. Um, I went down to Kingston, which is like a little hovel. And the cool thing was there's a bed and breakfast there. These people are fantastic. Uh, Miles End Lodge. Uh, it's like an inn, not an Airbnb, an inn. Okay. Uh, bed and breakfast. Yeah. And I didn't call them from, t- uh, from Tonopah. I just like figured, I don't know. I guess I was just like, ah. I kind of was like planning this trip. Like, I don't want to put anything out there. Like, whatever happens is going to happen. I just want to figure it out. And so I didn't call them thinking that, okay, that's probably going to be there at the lodge. Well, they weren't there, and it had snowed a couple feet up high. So I, I went down low to Kingston, and no one's there. And they have only one place in town, and it's a, a bar. And I went to the bar, and I ordered a beer, and I talked to the folks about, like, hey, do you know where these people are at? And they're like, oh, they went to Reno um, to go get resupply and stuff like that. It's, it's in the boonies there. <coughs> and the funny part was that there was a guy – um, sitting at the end of the bar who overheard what was going on, and we started talking, and he was Basque. Mm. And so the, the central part of Nevada, there's a lot of Basque. Huh. Or there, there used to be a lot of Basque. So I, what I had noticed That's was odd. that in yeah, you know, right? certain parts of the CDT, you go up, uh, up trail, and you see like you know, uh, people tagging on Aspens and stuff like that. And it's all like in Spanish, or it's Peruvian, or Chilean, or something like that. They're old sheep herders from those areas. Um, well, in that central part of Nevada you see a lot of language I didn't really know, and it was Basque. Huh. And so this, yeah. this homeboy at the end of the bar is Basque, and he's like overheard what I was talking about, and he had done the Camino like, I don't know, 20 years ago. So it was like he knew just like we had a relation there just from hiking, from walking. So that was pretty sweet. But the folks at the lodge, I called them, and they weren't going to be there till the next day, so they let me sleep in their, um, like their shed. <laughs> um, out back yeah. and I slept in their shed and then they let me stay at the place for like two days because that storm lasted for three days and wow. and the thing with Nevada that is different than most places it's in the Great Basin you know it's it's a very geo, uh, geographical feature um, just a biosystem that's just epically big but the mountains don't have any uh, foothills so everything kind of gets slammed into these peaks and and um in the lower 48 nevada has the most mountain ranges i think it's like 344 or something like that what it's just yeah like crazy amount of mountain ranges yeah. um mo- all north and south um all with basins in between but there's no foothills leading up to these mountains so when they get hit with weather they get slammed and if you if you have a big storm a two two to three day storm you're pretty much not going anywhere. Um, mm. And then to cross these basins in a wet storm, you're just going to be sinking down in these dry lake beds yeah. Or, yeah. or soggy lake beds. So I, had, I was forced to wait it out. And the cool thing about it, like, this is a, I wasn't planning to stay at this place. And at the time, I didn't have, all I had was cash on me. It was like, I had like 200 bucks because I, I had to change my bank card um, mm. to some uh, other personal matters. So all I had was 200 bucks of cash. And 
which was not nearly enough to pay for what they were giving me. Right. And uh, they let me stay there for free. Wow. Like, Incredible. And it was only me and Trail them. Trail magic, It man. was absolutely one of the coolest times I've ever had. And I learned so much more about Nevada just from li- like li- living in that lodge with them. Um, they had all these old magazines and stuff like that. It was so cool. And it, it really made me feel this tangible feeling about like why I was doing it. And it, it actually... You know, that was the research I should have done before I hiked the trail. Yeah. I was doing it right then and there in the trail, and that's what I really wanted. It was, you know, if you want to, like, experience the world, sometimes you just go throw yourself in a city and you figure it out. It was kind of like, well, I'm going to go throw myself in Nevada. That's Did what your happened. route go through Great Basin National Park? No. no that's on the Utah border. Ah, okay. Yeah, so the town was, of Baker. Okay, so yeah. it was a little I, I have some questions. Yeah. I'm curious, because you kind of just threw yourself out there. Yeah. And you were like, I'm just going to figure it out as I go. The big question, I think, when you're traversing across Nevada, is about water. And yeah. I'm curious, did you have to do any backtracking or hitch into town at any time or, or things like that where you had to get water or no. were you able to find enough? I wasn't able to find enough, but I was conditioned enough and determined to make it. That central part of Nevada, you have the, you have the Toyabes, the Alta Tequimas, and the Monitor Range. And then just north of that, you have the Fish Creek Range. And they're all over 10,000 feet. They're very big ranges. Yep. And I wanted to make this, if you could envision someone riding on a map, it would be like a big N in the middle of Nevada. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when I hit that town of Kingston, I packed like three liters of water. I know that on three liters of water, I can get like, in flat land, I can get 35 miles. And I crossed that whole basin to get to, to the Tequimas. And at the Tequimas, it... That the storm had hammered that mountain range, and so I had to be very flexible with because I want I was so determined to walk what I felt I wanted to walk, but I had to adjust to what was in front of me. Mm-hmm. And um, that storm dumped so much snow that I couldn't go up into the Takima, so I had to go over the lower end of it, direct go over another basin, and then go up into the monitors. I don't know the water sources in between those two ranges because I wasn't taking the route that I wanted to take. Um, across the ranges, because that storm was so cold, the water was frozen in the basins. Oh. And so my water that I did have was frozen. So I didn't have any, <laughs> so I didn't have any access to, and it was rainwater that was basically going to be sinking down the next day. So I crossed up into the monitors thinking that if I took a day or two, that by the time I got up into Alta Tequimas, the snow would have melted. Um, it did melt, and by the time I got back up to the Alta Tequimas, you know, I mean, I'm basically going 30 miles one way, up and over a mountain range, 30 miles back, up trying to get up and over a mountain range and going 30 miles the other way. So instead of a 150-mile route that initially, if I had done it perfectly, it was 150 miles from Kingston to Eureka, it turned into close to 190, mm. and I did not pack enough food for that, and I didn't have any of the water sources for any of that, you know, because if I had to alternate, or I had to take this flexibility um, route. Uh, when I left the Alta Tequimas, I had to get out of there because up on top there was like a couple feet of snow and 60 mile an hour winds and it was just retarded wow. to be up there. And I went down a canyon that I didn't plan to go down, but it was called Trail Canyon. And I'd be damned if there was no, there was no trail in that canyon. And it was <laughs> choked, like severely choked. And there was one point on that trail that year on that route that year that I was like very frustrated was that one because I was giving it all mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. I was giving it everything I could, and I was getting like the worst 
bushwhack you could ever imagine was <laughs> yeah. right in front of me. Yeah. And when I got across it, I still had what it ended up being. It was like a 45-mile stretch to my next water source. Oh. And then when I got to that source, I had no idea where my water was at. And then it ended up being – I thought I was going to have to walk like close to 80 miles yeah. um, to my next water source, which is a town. But I found a spring. So eventually – I mean, I got, I'm pretty good at finding water and reading the land. And that's what I was banking on was my experience – how fit I was. Um, at the end of that six-day leg, I was doing 40 to 45 miles just to get closer to water. Um, by the time I got to Eureka... That, that made my legs hurt. <laughs> uh, just hearing well, you say It's that. a trip, though, because like, you know, when you, I'm walking through the slide, there's not a lot of water. There's snow, but there's not a lot of water. And the elevation is very extreme. And then, like, I'm crossing a basin, and there's, like, dead cows hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. And, I'm, and I don't have my bank card, right? My bank card's in the next post office, and I'm going to get to this town no matter what tonight, but the post office is going to be closed. Yeah. I'm going to get there with nothing. And um, fortunate enough, I, I uh, at, at the Mountain Boy, I think it's what, Mountain Boy Mountain Range, I had, like, this one little scribble of, of, of uh, cell phone service, and I called the post office, and they, she's like, I won't make it there by 5, but can you – she's like, I'll be here till 5.30, honey. And I was like, all right, I'm on my way. So, like, I ran basic all the way there, and she <laughs> opened up the back door, and I was like, got my package, and I had my bank card. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to go get a beer and a burger. Yeah. Like, it was, like, perfect. <laughs> Success. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, that was, like, the, the – that was, to me, probably – if I'm ever proud about walking, I don't. It seems so weird to say that, but if I've ever been proud about walking, <laughs> yeah. was that central part of Nevada. I gave it everything I've ever got. Wow! And the water sources, I had no idea. Like it was just kind of doing it. Hey, talk. So when we had Woodward on to talk about the Idaho Centennial Trail, mm-hmm. the the very southern portion of the trail, he talks about being super hot and dry. Yeah. And you you <laughs> were saying that your northern terminus for this hike was where the ICT starts yeah. at, at that. At that Nevada Idaho border, what is the northern section of Nevada like? Is it arid and dry and just like devoid of water, or are there now trees? There's, there's the St. Mary's River. Okay, um, like when you leave Wells, Nevada, or basically um, Interstate 80, um, it's a very high plateau up there. Um, it's a high desert ecosystem. Okay, um, and so your the basins are probably at six thousand feet. And they kind of gradually go up hmm. into the like the mountains. Okay, and there's enough mountain ranges there. Um, in the wintertime, they get quite a significant amount of snow. There is a couple rivers. You have the Humboldt River there first and foremost that comes out of the Rubies, and then you have the St. Marys that comes out of um, the, the Jarbage Mountains. And then, contrary to the, on the other side of that, you have the the Bruneau River, okay. and then on the western side you have the Jarbage River. So there's enough rivers coming out of there. Um, when you get to that Idaho portion, it's more barren. It's more of a plain than it is on the Nevada side, which is more of like like a sagebrush country because um, it's up a little bit higher. Um, the Jarbage Mountains are really a lot of moose, uh, mm. uh, wow. uh, elk. A lot of, I saw a lot of elk there. Not very many people go there. There is a little town called Jarbage. Um, yeah, it's a, it was a cool town, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's really small. It's just in the middle of absolute. It, it's the furthest yeah. town from anywhere in the lower 48. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it's, it's out in the middle. And people live there, and there's, like, one road. You can kind of connect from Elko and, and end up hitting, like, uh, Highway 95, which is, what, like, by Jackpot, Nevada, something like that. Um, so that's how you would get to the ICTs, like, over there. But 
you know, walking to the IC to, the, to that was cool. So, like, on, and, you know, by the time I hit the rubies, I had, like, in May, I got, there was so much weather that time mm. that I couldn't, like, I just, like, you know what, I want to plan a route, so I'm not going to, like, it's not worth it for me just to fight it anymore. I'm going to go take some time off and come back when it, the route's ready to be walked. Because there was so much snow at that time. Um, I, I mean, there was feet of snow yeah. uh, up in, up in the, the rubies. So when I came back in August and I went north from Wells, like, I encountered some pretty gnarly thunderstorms. Like, okay. Like, some of the gnarliest I've been on. So when I, by the time I hit that Idaho Centennial, the Bruneau Desert, it was 105 degrees. Wow. You know, and, uh, and I was pretty Boiler. Much 105 degrees in lightning storms. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the typical, like, heat for you in, in the basin areas? Well, in May, it was pretty chilly. Like, huh. I, you know, it's up, it's high elevation. Once I left Tonopah, it, the, the basins get, get higher. South of Tonopah, like through the, the Paymaster Canyon and uh, Silver, Silver Peak City or Silver Peak or something like that. It's like a lithium mine down there. Mm-hmm. When you go through that area, it's really low. It could be pretty burning up. And even that section, I basically underestimated it and, and hitched around to Tonopah to walk back to where I was and then hitch back again, which was cr- like it just took longer to hitch than for me to walk it. Yeah. Um, but that where it was hot, that was probably 80, 85. Um, but central Nevada, northern Nevada was, you know, it could be pretty chill. Yeah, that's because every time I've been through Tonopah, it's it's hot. It's really hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm one of those people that like 95 degrees and I start going like, okay, where's the ice cream? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you did you ever have your like water freeze overnight in any of your camp spots in some of the uh, some of the like the basins? I mean, obviously up in the no I, mountains, I, I kind of expect the, maybe yeah. You know what? I didn't like. Uh, I was able to camp fairly low for the most part. I had a lot of weather on me, like with my tarp and stuff like that. But I kept my water close. Like I would put my water bottles near me. Um, I really pitched my tent low every night just because of so much wind. Like I said, there's no foothills, so everything's just hitting you. So you had to kind of. I pitched my tent really low, so um, I kind of was just keeping my every, all my warmth within my tarp. I should say my tarp, not my tent, but uh, keeping everything really, really low. Please tell me that you've got some photos up on freedirtmonger.blogspot.com. Am I doing a shameless plug again? I'm doing it for you, man. Okay, I do. Have, okay, on, on my blog, you can go to the page, the Great Basin Traverse, and it'll link you to. Okay, um, we'll post a link to yeah, that. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like all the photos I've taken, like those are the ones I probably look at the most and go, like, I want to be out hiking again. And and you people know. are going to get to see the photo of the creepy thing that you saw in the distance like like briefly can you talk about that because that was a spooky looking photo i mean i haven't even talked about the rubies you know and it's so so funny like this this is how cool this route is i haven't even talked about like what people consider the highlight of nevada and when i left wells i I had a big day that day and it's in uh it was thunderstorming like crazy too huge out there the cells are enormous yeah and lightning was striking all over and and um it was pretty exhilarating to be walking. To, I could see where it's gonna, it was going to come to get me, you know. And uh, but I had time, so I was just trying to walk as fast as I possibly could until I had to just like set up emergency shelter. And I kept getting further. Dirtmonger, I'm north. coming for you. Yeah, pretty much. I'm on. I the get way, north. Dirtmonger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I see this like figure in the distance, and and you're in the middle of nowhere. Ah, absolute middle of nowhere. Like I, I think I showed. Uh, POD a photo earlier of this old ruin. It was, it was like yeah. a, it's called the Met- Metropolis Ruin, and it's an old um, 
archway that looks like it's from like the from ancient Greek times. It's in the mm. middle of nowhere in Nevada. It's like I saw that in a distance and I walked to it and it's like, well, there's old cool ruins here. And then like from there I walked north and and um dodge and sage and whatever I could do just to walk north and antelope everywhere and stuff like that. And and um you know I get to this lonely road i'm walking this lonely road north and at this point the reason i'm walking the road is because i'm going to go into the night a little bit to try to get as far north with the storms and the storms are moving towards me so i didn't really want to like be dodging through cross country at that point at that point but i noticed this like figure in the distance and i couldn't tell if it was a human or not and i was at that point i'd never seen any i hadn't seen anyone yeah. on any of so, this route that i had done so it so. could have been a bigfoot yeah my mind <laughs> well it turned into like this jester hat Skull face dude with a axe over his shoulder, and I, you know, and I got closer and I thought it was for real. Like, is this a real human being? And I, I get closer and I could see that someone had dressed a railroad tie with this <laughs> and then put like a skull mask on it, and he was holding an axe. Basically, don't, no one wanted to, you know, whoever lived up in that little nook and yeah. that hill, they want anyone coming around. And but it was spooky enough for me at that moment that I was just like, you know what. I'm going to keep my, keep my eye on my back as I walk away from that dude. And it's funny. The weird thing is that I walked away from him. The storm got really close. And there was these owls out there, like these really cool um, owls. And they were like dive bombing me, huh. like getting really close to me. And I was like trying to whack it with my trekking pole. <laughs> and they're like dive bombing me. <laughs> Fight him the, off, kid. Yeah. Fight him off. And the storm is getting closer. And like the lightning is within a mile of me at this point. W- wow. Were any, were any owls harmed in the making of this <laughs> No, route? nothing. So I, I, I find – and there's no like lower point. I'm on like a desert basin. So everything's yeah. like one elevation. I can't just like – I'm not going to run up 5,000 feet. And I'm not going to – I can't go down anywhere. So I try to find like a low swale. And there's like giant sagebrush. And I kind of get tucked away. And, and those owls like perch themselves on the sage like within seven feet of me, ten feet of me, just like sit there staring at me with those weird faces they have, which reminded me of that dude <laughs> weird. On with the, the axe. Yeah, with the axe. And so <laughs> I was like, so... Like, s- the, like the guy with the axe had sent the owls to like... Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. He totally did. And then I set up my tarp and I get inside my bag and I remember like sinking into my mummy bag and curling up in the fetal position and tucking tucking my head into my shoulder and my hair, my beard hairs were sticking up on its end because the lightning was going by. And I just like curled there and I would close my eyes and I could just see the flashes of lightning happen. I was just waiting to like get struck and I woke up a couple hours later and I just like kind of pinched myself. I was like, okay, I'm still here. I'm cool. Wow. (laughs) On that note, we have to say thanks for talking to us about the Great Basin Traverse. That's incredible, man. And, And this disclaimer, this is beyond advanced level hiking, uh, Trail Show Nation. So, you know, you're not going to download a GPS track to your Garmin and, and go out and walk this. It, that's not happening. But you can look at some photos. Yeah, from look, at, look at some photos. Yeah. Um, there's some journal entries in there. The one thing I want to add is that Nevada, the history of Nevada itself from like statehood is is it's kind of the fat and lean state. So people went there for like like the Comstock load and and uh, you know they made tons of money, but then they like lost it all you know or like the times are it's fat and lean you know so that's how the trail is like you're going to be happy one moment and then you're going to be in your pants the next moment so (laughs) so it's kind of a cool thing i'm gonna put down something possibly this summer um lay it down on track so maybe people can go out and walk it again because it's it's just as scenic as anything you've ever done wow anything and you won't see anyone and you can go out and paint your own little artwork so it's all good oh that's killer yeah all right, we're going to go right into, out of order, our trail show embed who's out there in Europe walking 
forever. He's what over three thousand miles at this yep. point. He finally made it out of Germany. So let's listen to Out of Order. What's up, Trail Show? This is Out of Order checking in from Italy. All yes. right. <laughs> finally, finally made it out of Germany and into a new country. I know you guys were worried about me there for a while. I was worried about me. Uh, I know that there was some very, very interesting speculation as to why I was stuck in Germany for so long, whether it was too much beer or perhaps a beautiful German woman had swept me off my feet. I only wish that were true. <laughs> um, unfortunately, no. Uh, it was just that Germany's a long country, and I'm a slow walker. So you just keep walking, though, and eventually you get to the end. So I made it to Switzerland, ended up crossing the Alps with a guy I met way back in Norway, this guy named Fritz, who was a fisherman. I was talking to him up there. He gave me a fish. Well, trail tip of the month. Always talk to fishermen. They give you fish sometimes. Yeah. True. And True I remember story. asking yep. him, hey, you're from Switzerland. How do you cross the Alps in winter? And like every Swiss person should know this, right? Uh, that's like <laughs> mandatory for Switzerland. But he said, you're 4,000 kilometers from the Alps, but check in, me, check in with me when you get there. So I did. And he said, this is a good year. It turns out that this is a very good year to cross the Alps in December. Because there hasn't been much snow. So he ended up meeting me at the pass. And the two of us crossed the Alps together. He brought some snowshoes, which is very good. Because I know if I dared to put on skis, Disco would probably kick me off the trail show immediately. What? What? What's he talking about? And so skis, What's he talking what about? are those? I don't know. <laughs> so we got snowshoes. We maybe crossed about, I don't know, maybe six miles of snow, something like that. It was a very nice day, beautiful, easy, no big deal. Still, that uh, feeling of getting over the monster that you built in your head is a great one. You know, you look down that pass, you see the valley stretching out, and you know Italy's in front of you, the land of pasta, pizza, gelato, and words that didn't deny. You know, when it was a good feeling, man. It's a really Forget good feeling. Forget about it. We'll see. I'll check in next month and let you guys know how that goes. Just real quick, a shout out to Snowplow who hiked the CDT in 14. He's a trail show listener because he emailed me and said, hey, I heard about you and the Alps on the trail show. I'm from Switzerland. Let me give you some info. I still think it's possible. This is a good year. And uh, his email really caught me on like a down day. You know, it was a real cold day, maybe a week or two before I got to the Alps. And I was like, there's no way, it's so cold, I'm freezing, and I'm only at like 200 meters or something. And the Alps, the pass is at 2,000 meters. But he picked me up, man. I got that email right before, I was like, no way. Right after, I was like, I'm doing it, let's go. So it's really cool to have that uh, trail show and trail community reaching out and, uh, you know, keeping your spirits up in those low moments. So thanks, Snowplow. And, uh, of course... I couldn't end this without a big shout out to D-Lo, man. The show is going to miss D-Lo! you so R. much. Um, it's real hard. I didn't, man. I, I was like, no, this isn't happening. What are they talking about? D-Lo can't <laughs> leave. Oh man, who's gonna argue with Pod now? Who? Who? <laughs> Someone needs to step up. <laughs> All right. But D-Lo, man, I hope you and the San Angelo Bar, I think that's what it's called, <laughs> are doing well, man. Knock some rocks. We're all there with you. Getting that yard looking like a, a park. <laughs> Good luck out there, man. Uh, we'll miss you, and I hope you come back all the time just to harass P.O.D. and 
keep us all entertained. All right. Bye. That was out of order. He actually crossed from Germany into Switzerland and then into Italy. We bypassed yeah. an entire country because I guess he was only in Switzerland for a very Jeez. short amount yeah. of time. But he's eventually making his way to Spain. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to happen. I, he'll keep us posted. I tell you what, we got to go to break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we got Marcus Selig from the National Forest Foundation. Trail Show will be back. on to your hat the trail show is back and we're getting drunk oh. thanks to curtis barrett the curtis barrett Bam. that's Mucho right curtis where move over you've been replaced <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta talk about this beer i've got in my hand it's from strand brewing company it's the 24th street pale ale small batch unfiltered and i'd drink all of it if it wasn't already gone but curtis this Me was and a Twinkle winner drink it yeah it's delicious delicious what else do we have? Uh, well, we also had that uh, that farmhouse or that sour one, rather. The honey, uh, yeah, the farmhouse sale with honey. Yeah, was that is that not the right one? No, it I is. It's that's the one. Wait, no, this isn't the one. The, what? The one with the peach? Is this? Oh the one no, with no, the peach? Peach was that a sour is not one. the one with the peach. That one, the cuddlebug. Yeah, the cuddlebug. That's the one I was thinking of. Sour beers uh, are one of those things that uh, don't seem to get as much play as say an IPA these days. But uh, they, they tend to be pretty tart. Um, and when they got some fruit going on, I can dig them. And this one had a little, uh, little of that peach flavor going on. Yeah, Which one was that? I don't that? know what happened to the bottle. It's called the Cuddlebug. Yeah. Oh, the Cuddlebug. Yeah, it's from uh, Smog City Brewing Company. Very nice. Um, and yeah, American-style sour blonde ale made with peaches and apricots. We should also mention that farmhouse that we were talking about earlier. The Bombinate, I believe, is the... Oh. Anyway, it's a monkish farmhouse ale with honey aged in oak barrels. And it's it's definitely on the sour side of a farmhouse ale. Uh, you can taste the oak. Only Dilo would be so disappointed. Yeah. Only 5.8% ABV. No, he is going to be disappointed because i got to say these bottles, are, <laughs> the labeling is incredible, and there's yeah. so much text that he could be reading. And uh, this one... This and verbal, slurring. Yes. This one uh, from, the, from Smog City as well, the barrel collection. The Buzzworthy, it talks about uh, how they use... Is that the one that tasted like chocolate, right? I think so. Yeah, that was... 500 it pounds... It smelled like whiskey, tasted like chocolate. 500 pounds Ooh, of rare yeah. meadow foam honey. Meadow. This collaboration began with a phone call That's to a it. man in a duck blind, leading to the discovery of <laughs> zombies <laughs> and barreling down on the idea, proving what a brewer and a mead maker can create when putting their minds together. Hmm. Curtis, thanks again for sending all these beers. We'll check in a bit yeah, later. You're the man, Curtis. B- before, yeah. we, before we move into our interview, P.U.D. and I took a trip to Germany over the Christmas break, and our good oh, friend yes. Matty Speedo Erlass, which some of you might remember from the Gobi Trail, we interviewed him. He, he sent us home with a few items from Germany that we've never seen before, and, and frankly, I'm a little disappointed that Americans didn't beat them to the punch. What I have in my hand here, ladies and gentlemen, is an energy gel that is beer-flavored. And we need to get Marcus one. I want both of us to try it. Can you, can you oh, yes. We, we, I, I'll, I'll hold on to it. Energy goo. We also have... Beer gum, jizz. 
We also have gummy bears that, I guess they're actually gummy mugs that are beer flavored. We're going to pass those around too, but first things first, Marcus and I are going to do a taste test of this. Now, Marcus isn't going to test it. Oh, oh, yeah. is it? He's yeah, got the go- betas. Can I oh, he's got, yeah, yeah. Well, who else? Uh, I'll taste it again. Yeah, somebody <laughs> here hasn't tasted it. Zul, I don't think you've tasted this this uh, item that we've heard a lot about today. Yeah, Twink, Twinkle and I, they, we, we tried it on the chairlift today. And you loved it, right? That's what we're hearing. Um, it was delicious. Yeah, yeah. It was so interesting. Well, let's. We've already busted out. Let me taste one of these first. We got these uh, beer flavored gummy bears. Uh, we got some people chewing them. Twinkle, what do you think, man? They're good. Dirt. Yeah. You like? I love gummies. Yeah. They're a little like, hard, but they're all right. I don't get beer though. Yeah, not really. I just get gummy. A, a bit fruity flavor. Yeah, more like lemon or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get beer at all. They should do sour beer gummies. That That's be actually like almost, I would consider that like an unflavored gummy bear. Yeah. If there were such a thing as like an unflavored gummy bear, yeah. there's really not much going on there. Nothing. I'm not, I'm not tasting beer at all, for sure. But I do like gummies. The, gra- right. the, graphics on the, the graphics on the bag are good, though. It, okay. Is it not actually supposed to be beer flavored, but just shaped like a beer? Is that no, actually it's supposed it? to be beer. Yeah. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, oh, oh dude. I wish we had that. Wow. What are you doing? <laughs> I was trying to rip the There's top off. There's an easy off. open tab. Put your pants back on. That was I, totally I was premature. That was a complete epic fail. I've just got you beer. You licking your hand. And I like how his first reaction was, was to, instead of holding out his hand to catch it. <laughs> That's what hand, I'm doing. He like let it drip on the carpet. Well, what's great <laughs> is like now he can't even like pause it, the show or anything to like. Oh, I, I can't so touch he's, like, any. He's totally, we get to just sit here and make fun dude, of him. Dude, just lick it yourself. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, now you gotta lick it off Clean your it hands. Up. Clean it up. No, I want to just start licking. Just start licking. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare! I I literally. Tore the. It's like remember in um, elementary school. Sometimes they'd serve chocolate milk in plastic bags instead of cartons. Oh yeah, and people would punch the straw straight through both sides of yeah. the, the bag, and then chocolate milk. When you were in everywhere. elementary school and you couldn't figure out how to open things, exactly. But you, <laughs> or last yeah, those week. Days. God, what the what the? Oh, this is All why right. we need an intern. Pod. We just. So did you open yours? Did you try it? No. Oh, okay, you oh, gotta try it at yeah, the same time. Okay. Same time. You ready? All right. You here ready? we go. Three. Two, one. <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. It's pretty disgusting, huh? Yeah. I get, there's a little bouillon flavor. <laughs> bouillon, that's interesting. <laughs> I just yeah, got rotten the bananas. Trash over here. There's nothing about that that tastes like beer. So to me, it actually oh, I need did to rinse taste out my a mouth. little I'll bit be like beer, <laughs> yeah, but only, only beer that had been like, uh, highly infused with fermented uh, bananas. Oh, you know, like if you like fermented foul, bananas man. in like the desert sun, um, pr- probably like on Dirtmonger's feet for a while. It's fancy. And then yeah. and then you like mixed all of that in with beer. It does have a burn some hair yeah. on the top of it. It has yeah, a feet exactly. taste to it. Exactly. I'm uh, yeah, I mean, glad what? I opted out of that. I think yeah. it was maybe one you of made my a wisest smart move. That, probably one yeah, of the that best was almost barfed on it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh. It's gross. I have words to say about that. 
Okay, I will never be trying beer-flavored energy gels again. Well, goo is disgusting idea. in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you get a good flavor, the consistency is so gross. Oh. Yeah, can't and, do and it. good flavor is really being kind. What, what yeah. you really mean is tolerable yeah. flavor. I have something yeah. very inappropriate to, to say that I'm not going to say. Don't do it, man. It's a family-friendly show. Oh, dear God. That was really <laughs> bad. And the gummy bears don't taste like beer. I gotta and say, neither of them have alcohol in it. I got to say... <laughs> It was just a, a big strikeout. What is beer flavor? Yeah. Uh, can you hit that again? Because there were two. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah, two, two buzzers for Strike two out. strikeouts. I think we all had a thumbs down on that yeah. one. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. the beer gummies are like whatever. If you didn't tell me they were beer gummies, you're like, here, have some flavorless gummy. I'd be yeah. like, oh, all right, cool. I didn't yeah, even notice oh, that it looked right. like a beer mug. It looked like just a, a blob. splattering of <laughs> gummies oh. in a gel Nice We're going to be sending you guys home with lots of bags of those beer gummy bears. You know, so you just, know, uh, just so you know. No, I'm going to take some to Beauchart. So okay. um, I like them. Actually, Keurig is uh, making some sort of like a home beer yes. brewing system. I saw that. Wow. What? Yeah, they're like t- oh, teaming wow. up with I think InBev. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, and they're going to like it, Keurig's going to have some sort of like home brew. Not in like their little Keurig coffee maker deal. It won't be like you just put in a pot or whatever. But they're going to like <laughs> make some sort of home brewing beer in a pot dealio. So we're moving on to the next segment. Normally, we every month we do a review of a book or a movie or something trail-related. We didn't read this month. Yeah. In lieu of doing any type of review, we actually have a, a live human being in the studio that we can talk to. It's More or less. More or less. We've got Marcus Selig from the National Forest Foundation. This month, hopefully, we could talk a little bit about the 14ers trail work that you guys have been involved in and maybe just some things that the National Forest Foundation is doing. Um, and before we get into all that, I gotta gotta say real quickly, the backstory is that I actually know Marcus quite well. Oddly enough, about 15 years ago, he and I both went to grad school at Virginia Tech in forestry at the same time, and randomly, we both ended up in a small town in rural Colorado 15 years later, uh, which is just kind of odd, but it's pretty cool. Or was it random? <laughs> I've been following him for years. <laughs> no, I followed yeah, you. You were here friends. before us. Anyway, so Marcus, you work with the National Forest Foundation. Tell us a little bit about NFF. Specifically numbers. Yeah, we need <laughs> yeah, lots, of, lots of statistics. Give us. Yes, as many statistics as I can keep in mind. So in the year 1992 or three, I'm not good with numbers. Okay. Uh, National Forest Foundation was created by Congress. They were kind of looking around and looking at the state of national forest systems and recognized that the Forest Service did a lot of things good on national forests, but also uh, weren't doing a lot of things like setting up public-private partnerships and engaging communities in, in the management of national forests. So they set up this nonprofit group called National Forest Foundation to focus on engaging communities in the stewardship of national forests and focused on building partnerships to improve national forests across the country. Okay. And what do you do in your capacity at NFF? So I'm a a vice president at NFF. I oversee all of our field programs across the country. So we have field offices spread all over the West, and we have one poor guy who covers the entire East Coast, um, from Maine to uh, Florida, all the way over to Illinois, Um, but then a number of field offices across the West, and we're headquartered in Missoula. Talk to us about the 14ers work that you guys are doing. Because I know that that's special to Special's heart. 
the four, any, very, very any 14er related. Very dear. He did the 14ers through hike, which I don't know if you knew about, but he actually. I, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know about the 14ers through hike. So he sure. basically linked all the 14ers together into one continuous walk. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Impressive for sure. It was crazy, is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> he walked on his hands, actually. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he did it blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he had a pogo stick, and, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, as part of our. Part of trying to accomplish our mission, we do signature sites across the country. So we have a, a number of sites now, I think somewhere between uh, 15 and, and 20 sites across the country. We call them our treasured landscape sites. And the idea is that we focus on um, iconic areas that are in need of, of some type of restoration. Okay. Um, and so 14ers is one of those treasured landscape sites here in Colorado. Uh, the idea is that we're, we're focusing on the impacts of all of Colorado's highest peaks, those peaks that are over 14,000 feet. I assume the Trail Show Nation uh, knows about 14. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, quite yeah. familiar. But uh, focused on the fact that those 14ers are getting climbed by more and more people, and all of them do not have sustainable trails. So where we don't have sustainable trails, we're ending up with huge ecological impacts where we get braided trail networks and people walking in the wrong places. And yeah. it, it really impacts the alpine tundra, um, impacts erosion, um, sedimentation coming off the mountains. So we're working with a ton of local partners. Um, you know, Colorado 14ers initiative is, yeah, a, is a huge sure. partner yeah. of ours. Uh, Rocky mountain field Institute who, who takes care of the 14ers and the Sangres. Um, then volunteer groups like volunteers for outdoor Colorado, mm. a lot of the youth corps and, and others. There's about 15 to 20, um, local stewardship groups that we're working with to, to improve those trails and do ecosystem restoration on the peaks. So this is more than – so when I hear I see your forest and I think, well, that stops at about 12,000 feet and we're talking about 14ers. This is more than just tree line. This is above tree line. Yeah, you correct? bet. Yeah, so it, um, National Forest Foundation focuses on national forest lands, which range in Colorado from around 8,000, 9,000 feet on up. Okay. Um, is almost all national forests in Colorado. So f- I, th- I believe it's 48 – that Again, the I hate grasslands. the includes yeah national forests and grasslands. I I always leave those guys out, but they're important too. Yeah, um, yeah they're towards Kansas. Yeah, Kansas and yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, forty eight of I think the fifty four fourteeners in Colorado are located on national forests. Um, so you get above the tree line at around twelve thousand feet, and and that's the area that's most impacted by by some of these things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, are you guys doing any work um, to fight the epidemic of surface poos? The notorious surface poo. You know, poo is one of the biggest issues on 14ers. Um, yeah. People, people don't understand how long poo sticks around above tree line. Yeah. There's not the microbial activity to break it down. So we are doing an education component. We're trying to teach folks that that it's not good to poo above tree line. So encouraging the use of wag bags, you know, pack it in, pack it out. Tell our listeners what wag bags are, because I'm sure some folks don't know. Yeah, so I believe there's a number of companies that make wag bags. Um, but the idea is that it's a totally self-contained sanitation unit. So you, uh, when when the urge hits you, you break open the bag and you open it up and there's a Nice little place to deposit what you want to get rid of. Yeah. You stick it in there. You, uh, they, it even provides you toilet paper and provides okay. you some, oh, wow. some stuff that 
absorbs all the the liquid that may end up in there as well. <laughs> yeah, there's like powder or something. Yeah, like. yeah, it's like kitty litter. POD, did any of our beers come in wag bags today? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you meant by high class Ziplocs? <laughs> 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 but there is a Ziploc. So you, when you're done, you zip it up, you throw it in your pack, and you hike it on down off the mountain. That's the, the best way. The, the leave no trace uh, types of poo are, are great in a lot of environments, but not the alpine environment. So that's why you have to go with the wag bag. And when you zip it up, you got to make sure that you completely that, that <laughs> yeah. the seal is red, completely red and blue makes because <laughs> my good friend who who will go unnamed, he climbed Rainier, mm-hmm. um, also an alpine environment, and used a wag bag on put it in his backpack on the way down, and then they got back to the car and they're driving, and then like uh, there's this very distinct aroma of poo in the vehicle. So they stop and they determine like someone's wag bag had spilled and it was it was my buddy's and uh, I asked him what he did and <laughs> he said um, bought his friends a lot of beer no <laughs> no he he took it to a car wash and uh, got the high spray pressure hose thing mm-hmm. and yeah so clean, a wag bag can, back a wag bag can poop so seal those wag bags yeah seal them up good. It, yeah. I mean, I, I take this as a as an opportunity for education. So, we'll, sure, just to go on a little more. I mean, fourteeners are the tops of our watersheds. That's our drinking yeah. water, right? And yeah. we're we're and, pooing and not pooing just for right Colorado. Yeah, it, it's the Colorado River watershed and the Front Range watershed. But but yeah, millions and millions of people. You don't want them drinking your poo. So it's not a good seal thing. it up, pack it out, and uh, hmm. that'll that'll go a long way to improving fourteeners for sure. Um, and I think people are probably just unprepared, you know, when they, they don't think about it. And then they get up there and like, oh, man, I got to take a dump. Yeah. You know, and I've seen people graze Tories. There's that saddle that holds snow yeah. for a long time. And so people are like, well, I'll go poop on the snow because that's better somehow. I, I don't know. And, that's um, what they teach their dogs to do. I, th- I think they think it's just going to get like watered down. I don't know. And, like, but, run but off it's or like something. all this, you know, yeah. you're hiking by all this water on the way up, you know, and it's like. But you I, get up I, there and there's like four little piles with teepee. <laughs> on the, it's so gross. I think that a lot of people expect to not have to poop while yeah, they're up there. You for know? sure. So yep. they, they, they're used to like waking up and taking a poop or whatever their poop schedule is. That's like what they think it's going to be. You know, when they go out into the alpine environment, and they're pushing their bodies in ways that they're not normally doing. Sometimes you have a poo at a time that you're really not expecting it. So I think ultimately, like if you're going up into an area where if, an emergency poo happens, like make sure that you can deal with that properly. And if you don't want to bring, bring a, a wag bag, if you don't want to bring a wag bag, I always bring. A, I just pack in a few, um, like the doggy poo bags. I just when I'm at the park or whatever, I just you grab a few of those. Yep. Yeah, or you Working can, or you can take your mountain house meal and put it right back where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> Rehydrate. Nothing yep. against mountain house; they just have great bags. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling yeah. you. Well, I'm glad we got to poo so quickly because usually it takes you know it takes a, a few minutes. Not with this crowd. Not yeah. with us. Straight to yeah. the point. I love it. Um, we've actually talked about partnering with some of the the wag bag making companies, like the rest stops out there. Oh yeah, and, and trying to get some stashes at the trailheads for. For those folks who may not have thought about it in advance, so they can bring it up with them. To switch gears a bit, what what is national? <laughs> what is NFF going to be working on in 2017? Like, is it going to be more 14 or stuff, or do you have a lot of different things going on? Well, nationally, we have obviously a lot of things going on. Uh, 14ers is a big focus in Colorado. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know that you want me to go into all the other state work, but we're really just kicking it off here with 14ers in 17. We have a few peaks that. 
we know we're going to focus on. Um, Which are? I'm curious. Well, we're still putting it together, but okay. uh, some definites in there are Elbert. Which is the tallest peak? Highest peak yeah. in Colorado. Colorado, yeah. yeah. Also, the biggest crowd I saw in any 14er was on Elbert. Wow, really? by, yeah. by uh, at least 50 people. So we're really one of the cool things about Elbert is that we have the opportunity to get lots of volunteers out there. So we're talking about some big volunteer days on Elbert, 100 to 200 people out there on a single day doing trail work. Um, so Elbert's a big one. Um, we're going to be working on Quandary. Yeah, um, for sure. Which is also a super yeah. highly visited. Yeah. It's a highway. It yeah. is a highway to the yeah. summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, another literal highway to the top of Fourteeners Pikes Peak. Yep. Yeah. So we'll be doing some work on on Pikes Peak, and then uh, maybe maybe some of the lesser visited peaks like Uncompagre. Okay, um, down in the San Juans. Can, can I put in a vote there? for Grays and Tories? Grays and Tories is on the list too. We're still yeah. still figuring it out. Yeah, because yeah, you were talking earlier about that, like the braided trails oh, and yeah. stuff. And they, I I don't know of another fourteener that has quite so bad of a problem with that as as Grays and Tories. It's just because you've got two there, and then people yes. get confused about like you know they'll climb one and they're like oh I'll just come straight down. So yeah, there's like a million trails. Up Not there. to mention the CDT goes right over both of them. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Yep. None of the CDT hikers take wag bags. Yeah. No. Yeah, because you camp in that parking lot below, and there's privies down there, and you take a big dump in the privy, and you're like, "Yes." <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I know you work with organizations, so like the CFI out here. Um, you probably work with like Bob Marshall Foundation or something like that up north. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yep. So and it's, so it appears like areas that are very popular get the most upkeep. Most love. Yeah. What do you do about the areas that no one goes to, and how do you keep those areas? from going away from public knowledge and awareness? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. And I'll just, I mean, I'll start by saying it's super hard. And it's it's hard for a number of reasons. One is that as a nonprofit group, we need money to get work done. Um, and in those more remote areas, there's no sources of money. Right. Um, so it's challenging. One of the benefits we bring is we also get some some funds from the federal government that we can scatter around to do good work across the country through what's called our matching awards program and so that's where we fund a lot of those more remote areas where we have those funds that we can get out on the ground and do it but it's tough it's i do tough. i do want to say like the reason i hike those areas is kind of to promote those areas yeah and i'm free you know you don't have, <laughs> you don't have to pay me right so yeah. and we talk about it on the trail show but I do think it's our, it's my responsibility, it's the public's responsibility. Go someplace else. Yeah. Go yeah. someplace else that's just as cool. Go to Nevada. Go to Nevada. <laughs> go to Nevada. <laughs> like, but but ones, don't just walk out into the desert and not <laughs> yeah. know where your water is. No, but the that one that always fun. got me was like Idaho, right? Like that's the largest swath of wilderness in the lower 48. Yeah. Yet everyone's like, oh, there's down trees and no trail workers out there. It's like, well, go walk it and <laughs> so but no but like that's how it gets done because the more people that walk it the more money gets put into there and then you get trail crews out there yeah. right no yeah. yeah it's very true i tell you though it's it's hard too because those I just air- went on a total cussing thing right there no it's, it's a lot of bleeping i'm gonna have to do post-production <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. do you man. do bleeps i do lots of bleeps <laughs> sorry yeah. dude i'm so sorry you, i got my work cut out for me with you uh, <laughs> it's, all those, it's all those strong coronas I've you been bleep are you <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I love I love the passion about it though. I mean the the challenge is too that that we have to put our resources where we get the most bang for the buck. Yeah. And so they are the the frequently visited areas. Yeah. And yeah. and when you look at those frequently visited areas, how many people, how many 
you know, local communities, how many individuals are we benefiting when we put the limited resources. When yeah. you look across federal lands, they're so limited in resources these days, um, even without bringing, especially without bringing in the public-private partnerships. But even when you have those together, it's still not enough to do what needs to be done. I mean, we, we need to do billions and billions worth of dollars. So uh, you're, you're talking earlier about uh, you're going to get some, some trail crews and things to do some uh, volunteer work as well. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to maybe uh, work some trail work into their Colorado vacation or if they wanted to work it into their Colorado staycation, what website can they go to to, uh, to sign up to volunteer? Yeah, well, you can definitely contact us. Our website is nationalforests.org. Um, it's with an S at the end, forests. Because uh, there's <laughs> multiple, uh, but also our, you know our local partners are the ones who really get the volunteers out. So groups like Volunteers for Outdoor Colorado, um, Rocky Mountain Field Institute, Colorado Fourteeners Initiative, Wildland Restoration Volunteers. I mean those are th- those are the groups that gather up the folks and have the crew leaders and get out there on the ground and make stuff happen. We're just helping collaborate with them and get them the funding they need to make that happen. Cool, awesome, um, and we'll we'll put links up. To yeah, that. to all those do, organizations. Do you work yeah. with uh, AmeriCorps as well? We do. Um, you know, AmeriCorps also works through the youth corps, who yeah. are a lot of our grant recipients. So there's a ton of youth corps in Colorado. There's Rocky Mountain Youth Corps, Mile High Youth Corps, Southwest. Southwest yeah. yeah. So there's, I mean, they're all over the state. Western um, Colorado Youth Corps, um, and they they get a lot of the AmeriCorps folks in place, and we. Um, Always support them. That was one thing. Like, I mean, I, I served in the Montana Conservation Corps and was a staff, had a staff position there for a couple of years. And that was always one thing. Like, if I had to do things all over again, was that I would have served in the AmeriCorps when I was like right out of college. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you see a lot of hikers that hit out trail and they kind of feel entitled to trail without really giving back the trail. And all of these trail organizations hikers. can't. Yeah they, yeah, they can't enforce hikers to, like, give back the trail, right? Yeah. But I always felt like, man, it'd be great if you can go out to, like, these AmeriCorps positions, conservation corps or whatever, and really give back to the trail that you could learn wilderness skills, you learn ethics, leave no trace ethics and stuff like that. You, yeah. You, you know, know and, it, and it builds, it, it makes people build careers in conservation. Too. Yeah. My, my first gig um, after my first year in college was, with SCA in the summer yeah, working on Mount Katahdin. Yeah. Student Conservation work. Association. Right. Yeah. Yep. yep. And that was, you know, formative for sure. And, so rather and, than like hike because you're a millennial and want to be cool on Instagram <laughs> like that, like go join a <laughs> conservation corps, SCA or Outward Bound or something like that. And you yeah. can really give back in a positive way. Or maybe yeah. if you've already done a ton of hiking, but you haven't done any. Yeah, you could still volunteer with that, right? You know, Bobcat, Snorkel, Pepper, <laughs> <laughs> Trauma. Nacho. Wow. <laughs> Calling call them out. out. Oh. <laughs> the onion. I, like, the, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I have to call myself out. I've never done any trail work. Oh, boom. We're oh, going to change that this summer. It changes how you look at trails, too. Yeah, I it mean, does. Yeah, it does. Totally. It gives you something new to look at when you're, when you're walking yeah. board. It, well, is, it think, is something that I think I want to yeah. do a lot more of, or, well, do, because I... Sometimes I'm walking on trail and I see like how well it's constructed in the spot, and I'm like, oh man, these guys did a and gals did like a bang up job on this section. And it was probably a hundred years ago when they did it. You know, like when the WCC and you know all that work or civilian conservation Conservation corps, the Work Progress Administration. Like when you go out on trail and you look at this history, like if you went to like Paris and looked at all the art and all this old architecture and stuff like that, you're just like amazed by it. Like when I go out on trail and I see old architecture like that that's built, like we walk through the John Muir Trail. Yeah, it's like, for sure, on. for real. There's it's some incredible. Of those, there's some stre- stretches of the John Muir Trail where it's like these guys were artists with the stone and yeah. and yeah. or and just right what, here between you know, um, Cottonwood Pass and Monarch, Monarch Pass. Yeah. 
The, right. The, there was an inmate crew that went and redid the CDT, and that stretch is insane. Like well, the amount of moving of rocks that they did to make that the way it is is it's incredible. You know, even though we're talking about other people building trail, I think we should give a shout out to the backcountry horsemen. Yeah, they 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 pack in a lot of gear and a lot of and they heavy clear stuff. a lot of trails. Yeah, yeah you bet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and um, just thinking about you know getting out there and working on the trail, one of the big things that we've noticed when we're trying to figure out how to get more and more trail work done is that there's not enough folks who know how to do trail work. Yeah. There's not those skilled crew leaders. And so as part of this 14ers initiative, it's called the Find Your 14er campaign, we're really working on training folks as well. So we're going to set up a, a volunteer certification program, a crew leader certification program, for working specifically in alpine environments, working on rocks, um, you know, rock steps, yeah. Yeah, figuring out how to do yarding and hauling systems because, you know, one of the biggest challenges on 14ers is having rocks to build the trails in the right places. And so you're building complicated systems in the alpine environment, but teaching folks to do that and getting volunteers certified I, to work on I'll that. admit to have done to having done some gorilla trail maintenance before. Sometimes trail gorillas, PCT. Yeah, well, I mean, like sometimes when I'm hiking, I, I have stopped and been like, this check dam is messed the F up. All I have to do is fix this, and this next quarter mile of trail is not going to be flooded. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I've done some trail maintenance. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. on the fly, on yeah. the fly. That, isn't it, I mean... I, when I was first taught trail work in Idaho, it was for one you don't pe- you're doing trail work so people don't get their feet wet because if not they're going to braid trail whatever. Yeah. But once you kick a rock, you're never going to stop kicking a rock. And you know I kick rock every day out on trail, and it's like man, if everybody kicked a rock off the trail, like all you do is a little soccer move, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody did yeah. that. Like think about all the rock that would be clear, and then then you don't, we don't need to ask. Uh, Marcus over here, like, who's going to go out and take care of our trail? Like, right. we're doing it ourselves. I, right? I also like using the trekking poles to fling, like, oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. like sticks Branches. and stuff <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Yeah. And, and I get a real satisfaction when you got, like, one of those smaller trees that's crossed the, the trail to just go and grab it and, like, you make, like physically like, just move it. You know, he's like, I am caveman, I move tree. And then the trail's clear, and you're like, yeah. I showed that tree. I showed that tree. And not really that big. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for talking to us about National Forest Foundation and the great work you guys are doing. The website is nationalforests.org. Come back and be on the on a future show sometime. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. You bet. Yeah. Thanks for the beer. Thanks, Marcus. absolutely. Yeah, thank you got to you got to stick around and help us drink it. We got yeah. You, you don't have to leave now, by the way. We'll no. do. You're, you're welcome to hang out. All right, let's talk about trips. A few of us have gone places over the past month. Pod, let's start with you. Okay. Where, you, uh, where have you been? I went to Deutschland. Deutschland, to also known as Germany. And uh, hung out with our friends Matthew Spito Erlas and his wife Yvonne and the two girls, Maddie, I'm sorry, Maddie, Emmy and Miley. And. Um, Duke Lina. Yes, Miley is my godchild. And while we were there, it's pretty cool. Uh, Maddie has been uh, remodeling his house over the past couple of years. And uh, one thing he has is a sauna. Now, which is great, Ooh. but he also created a man cave in the basement. A proper that man has a cave. huge screen, and we saw all of his pictures from the Gobi Desert. Wow, it was so cool. cool. It was really neat. So I mean, I think it's like eight eight feet by six feet. Yeah, it's a it's huge, huge projector screen. It's a proper, but yeah, it's pretty cool. We just yeah. went. We went there for Christmas and New Year's and hung out with those guys. And I drank so much coffee and ate so many sweets, and it was fun. What it was, was the, great. What was the best thing you ate? You know, I really enjoyed Chris. Scentbrook. 
Yeah, but I think I really enjoyed Christmas dinner because Maddie's mom is Finnish and his dad is German, and so she made traditional things from both of those okay. cultures. So the traditional German Christmas dinner is roasted duck. Okay. No, roasted goose. goose. Yeah. And then the Finnish, they have these um, root vegetable dishes. One of them was made from rutabagas. Okay. And um, that was really cool. The, the, that food was really, really good. Really enjoyed it. I was sick for two-thirds of the time I was in Germany. It was oh, yeah. an epic. It, it, it actually, it really made me want to play the sound effect. Like... <laughs> Every day I woke up and that was in my head. I, I woke up, opened my eyes. I'd also like to add that it's horrible <laughs> New Year's e- New Year's Eve at midnight. So we were in a very small little <coughs> village, and New Year's Eve at midnight. It's was how I imagined it would have been in like war torn Baghdad. It was crazy the amount of fireworks that were going off Ridiculous. in this tiny town for forty five minutes. It was nonstop. The sky was lit up. People were just, just everybody had fireworks outside of their house. It was crazy. I, it definitely put the U.S. to shame as far as fireworks. Yeah, go. and these were all like DIY fireworks. No, they weren't DIY. You keep saying that like they well, made I mean, them themselves. They no, did, no, no, that's not. They they, they were likely Chinese made fireworks, wait, but what, it they, was they lit them themselves. Is that still yes, DIY? No, it's not it, DIY. it was all like local, like neighborhood. It, this wasn't like going to a fireworks show oh. and watching someone shoot. No, contract. It wasn't. This was like. People, oh. <laughs> people just bought. It wasn't like a thousand dollars worth of fireworks. E- you know, every house had like a grand of fireworks, and they just went out and they. I mean, it was no joke. Mm. That is it pre- was non pretty cool. That's pretty much what they do in Honolulu on uh, on New Year's Eve, okay. uh, and Fourth of July. And like you, if you want to breathe in that city, <laughs> get don't. your breaths you in before leave. the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. like I, it's amazing. I, I sickening, really. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyone else trips? I'll chime in here. So I took a trip to Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't down there to hike the Florida Trail. I know, I know that's probably your, your first inclination. That music in the background, by the way, that would be the Clemson Tigers <laughs> fight song, the Tiger Rag. And I'm a Clemson alumni. Before I was Virginia Tech alum, I was Clemson alum. So I went down there for the college football championship. Nobody gave Clemson a chance. They said, you can't beat Alabama. Nobody's beat Alabama in two years. And by God, with five seconds left, by golly, Clemson beat Alabama. All right, let's listen in for a minute. Here comes, like, the climax of the fight song, so get ready. All right, say it with me. C-L-E-M-S-O-N. You're a little early on the end, Dirt, but that's fine, man. That's fine. <laughs> it was a heck of a trip. It's the first time I heard it. Sorry. Um, yeah. And it was Surprising. like... It's a once in a lifetime. It was a little chilly down in Florida. I was Unless expecting... next year. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, to go... But it was great. It was to go and blow up the Death Star. We blew up the Death Star. We blew up the Death Star. Take Roll that, uh, take uh, that uh, Frito Rotai Garcia. Congrats to the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> that's my trip of the month. What about you guys? I have really nothing to report other than I am sitting in Salida you right now. You went snowboarding now, today. And we went snowboarding. Yeah. And we hit the hit Off the, the CDT. That's yeah. true. It was, it was, we actually were on the CDT for a minute there. Shag nasty. It was shag- so shag nasty. Shag nasty. Yeah. So that Hashtag was cool. But uh, no, I didn't do any, any cool cool trips at all this month. Uh, still, still looking for that job. 
<laughs> so any, any of you who want to give me a job in the environmental consulting or geology kind of realm of things, hit me up. We got Special about, 41 at like, VTrailShow.com. We're hiring a new California director Ooh. to all your listeners. Can I still live in Colorado? <laughs> yeah. What part of California? <laughs> to be determined. Ah, TBD. Yeah. I, I mean, I like California. So, Derek, other than your snowshoeing trip this morning, maybe you've done that's any, what you uh, want to talk about. Yeah. I know no. you've been driving a lot lately. Yeah, I, I mean, I work 40 days in a row or something like that, but yeah. I didn't shred the gnar like these bros right here, but <laughs> I did go bros. snowshoe today, and the cool thing about it was that not only was it cool yeah. and beautiful up there, but I mean, I was up there three months ago, right? Yeah. I th- said, right? Yeah. Three yeah. Months? When it was snow-free. Yeah, it was snow-free, so it was kind of cool going up there and rehashing some good memories. And Yeah, that is cool. Thinking about when you swooped me up off the pass and... That's right. I had my top ramen between my legs to try to keep it warm so I could eat it later. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Don't need it. I, I don't remember when it. you don't came down it. to town. And I was like, oh, get that metabolic I guess you don't want anything man. to eat because you already had dinner up there. And you were like, uh, now I'm starving. <laughs> 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 I, I had it soaked. Like yeah. It was in between my legs because that's where all the heat's at. Yeah. <laughs> what? He's, he's not wrong, people. He's packing the heat, guys. <laughs> Twink, what about you, man? Any? Uh, and you get out all the time. Where you been? Yeah, you know, uh, last weekend I skied on the CDT, not here at Monarch Pass. So I guess it's my second time skiing the CDT this month. But I skied at Berthed Pass, okay. which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Bringing back some memories right off the CDT there. It's pretty nice. Was it windy there? It's I, always freaking windy there. I love that section when you yeah. want, like once yeah. you, like when you come up from Berthoud and you get to like you're actually on the sea, like on the divide, the yeah, continental yeah. divide. It's not just that Beautiful. you're on a trail that parallels it or something, and there's not really much of a trail up there. It's just you know basically kicking rocks for several miles. But I love Is that, that the whole Indian section. Peaks, yeah, like down yeah. Th- and then along like through the James Peak. Oh and yeah. Everything. yeah. And this was more towards James Peak. Yeah. yeah. Berthoud Pass. But that whole that whole stretch basically from basically from there until you go down that high lonesome trail. Mm. It's actually called the High Lonesome Trail. I'm not trying to sound cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah. Once you descend and you're like going down to Monarch Lake, but like that whole stretch along the divide there is like one of my favorite sections that I've ever hiked of anything. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Nice. Sweet. Yeah, Marcus, how about you? What what, are you, what have you been up to this last month? Any any trips? Just, uh, running around for work. I was in yeah. uh, Salt Lake and Telluride last week. You were out at Winter OR. I heard. Yeah, got to do an outdoor retailer and pick up some. Some swag and meet yep. with some uh, potential partners and move it to Denver. <laughs> Have you been out in the backcountry at all? Uh, I was out in the backcountry, yeah, before last week. Been out, been getting out a fair bit, off mainly off Monarch. Oh, cool! It's been a heck of a snow year. It's Man, we awesome just yeah. we just had what ninety inches in ten days. Something. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm in the Sierras or in the Pacific Northwest with all this snow. It showed up. It, it was weird. It was a little uh, thin before we left for Germany, and when we came back, it was, it was like it was the snowpack had doubled. <laughs> yeah, it was girthy. It was girthy. <laughs> like to ninety see inches it. and ten days. Keep right. the fires down. Keep the rivers high. <laughs> All right, folks. It's time for iTunes top five, and this month I'm actually doing it. Dilo's not here, so he can't shut me down. But I can. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to. But but yeah, special's going to pick up where Dilo left off. All right. We have Dead Warmo, who says, Five stars, all is forgiven. The trail show reigns supreme. Thank you, Dead Warmo. Okay. What are we forgiven for? I, what it's we unclear. It's unclear. Okay. Okay, okay. Steve Bag says, Five stars better than cats. I'm currently hiking the Camino, or as I like to think of it, the world's longest brew hike. 
The trail show keeps me walking and laughing. By the way, every international Camino walker's first question when they find out I'm American is, oh, the PCT, like Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that, so I tell them that must be in Canada. Perfect mix of beer, trail, and landscaping podcast. That's great. <laughs> when people ask, sometimes uh, sometimes weird. when people ask me about wild, uh, I, I just go, "What? Yeah, I'm there's not. A, what are you talking oh, about? A movie? What? Oh, really? Or like, I, I think I have a friend who was reading that book, but he never finished it. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay, we've got uh, some damn name." Who says five stars? So it's not serious. If uh, stuffing, no. Check this out. If stuffing babies into backpacks, learning not to slap men who chew tobacco, putting pops, irreverent discussion is not for you. Stay away. For all those who can embrace the brutality and want to hang with a group of diverse individuals, this is for you. Welcome home. Beer of the month. Beauty's sexy voice. And sound effects make this show special. Her sound effects are good. Yeah, he, apparently they like your sound effects. Uh, she yeah, farts really well. Let, let's hear some sound effects. If only you could get the visuals. Miss t Rath. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason this is not a YouTube channel. That's right. Okay, people. <laughs> Misty Rath says, five stars, life-saving! Exclamation mark. I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years now. As a thru-hiker hopeful... This podcast has helped me survive the long days I spent in a cubicle, denied sunlight and fresh air, and now finally free during the countdown to when I can get on the trail. All right. Congrats. Get on the trail. Thank you, Trail Show. And last but not least, we have Seeing Trails, who says five stars, less static, more Trail Show. This podcast is better than being the first one out of camp in the morning and the only one not needing body glide. Okay. Did they get clown mouth? Okay. I don't know. It's unclear. It's unclear. That was iTunes top five. Why do they not need body glide? Maybe they got their chafing Uh situation down in. Oh, we got beer bottles. Beer down, beer down. It's a beer receptacle, beer vessel. It's time for trail tip of the month. And this month we're gonna throw it over to Marcus. I think on the theme of uh, reducing the number of braided trails, the tip is to stay the trail even when it's wet and muddy. Don't avoid the puddles and step out and widen the trails. Walk right through them. Get uh, your boots wet. Act like homeboy dirt man. Dirt monger. <laughs> this is how you get a trail name like dirt monger. You walk through those puddles, people. You walk through those puddles. That way, when you need to pee your pants, you just pee right down your leg and it yeah. goes right in the water. <laughs> Nobody right. knows. Yeah, you don't even need to pee off trail. <laughs> It's all salt anyway. <laughs> all right. That was it. That, that, I love it. That's, that's short and sweet. Just walk, a tip. Walk through the water, people. <laughs> all right. We're going to go to one last break. When we come back. We've got a million things we to do. we got a still. lot of stuff to do. we got mailbag. <laughs> we got Ask a Hiker. we got some tent stakes to look at. All right. The trail show will be <laughs> oh, back. <no. laughs> The Trail Show. Less gear, more beer. And we're back, and the mailbag is about to explode. It's the biggest mail sack I've ever seen. So let's unleash it. Dermonger, why don't you rerun for us? Yeah, what's Sweet. It? Is it the news mailbag thing I'm looking at here? 
Is that right? The top uh, one up no, there? No, 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 no. The this one that says number one? Yeah. All right. Happy New Year. I wanted to thank you for delivering four and a half years of quality trail, beer, and nonsense content. I especially enjoyed episode 55. Is it weird that I'm reading about myself here? No. <laughs> no. Yes, no. and it's great. Dirtmonger's comment that trails need a theme resonated. I'm sorry to see Delo depart, and I hope the trail show quickly finds a new footing as it did with special. I think it already has, huh? Here's a behind-the-scenes type question. How much time goes into production of the trail show, especially with the recent departure of two hosts? There's no question mark. Does that a edit error? Not much time. I hope the trail show continues for another 55 episodes and hope that POD and Disco enjoy their European trip more than New Zealand. <laughs> oh. Cheers, Justin Quality Knowles. Quality. Quality. Um, to answer Justin's question... So post production. So if you if a trail show is three hours long, it probably took six hours to edit. Pre production takes it's you know it's different for all of us, but yeah. for me it's like two to three hours before the show. I don't know. What do you think? For, for me, you? I yeah. don't know. I do. I don't know. An hour, maybe two hours. You were sending us know. emails last week. Yeah, yeah it's I, true. I think it's tough for me to tell because I don't really spend a lot of like like blocks of time more than yeah. anything. Like since I do trail news, if I see something pop up, I'm like, oh, that's cool, and I'll read an article or two about it. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so I mean, and, like, and Dilo really... did no prep. Yeah, so I mean, it's like <laughs> his his prep mean? was basically hydrating before the show. So that's he not true. The rails <laughs> too early. That is not true, Pod. You know that he does yard work. Yeah, oh, he and, did do a lot of yard and work. And he also the show. wrote his own uh, Ask a Hiker letters so there was that kind of prep no he never did that <laughs> he never did that pod how dare you okay all right what's our next uh, question? this is from uh joey ritchie hey joey yeah for the record i am not a brosif <laughs> because i was correcting mike di lorenzo who incorrectly called me that he's a brosif. if you look back in these emails you will see that on 12 9 16 the forenamed culprit wrote the trail show the trail show thanks you brosif ritchie it's true. Now, mm. I understand that maybe hackies, hackers were involved again, and Delo didn't actually write that. Fake After news. all, you are now an even more high-profile target working with the Trump administration. Mm. <laughs> That's true. But due diligence is still in order, and as such, my legal counsel thinks your inaccurate reporting on such matters has caused irreparable damage to my reputation. Uh-oh. Oh. As such, legal at the trailshow.com. We'll be hearing soon from my own crack legal team with my demands for damages. Crack legal? Like yeah. people yeah, on crack? Because we have our own crack legal we team. We have our own crack yeah. like legal people team. People on crack. No. Yeah. They're just crack. It's just a crack team. Yep. Yeah. Think, what does that mean? Think <laughs> cloud mouth. Uh, it means crack. that they're Johnny on the spot. Like they are ready I hear to crack. Go. I think of crack. Yeah. No, I do too. Okay. Okay. Be forewarned that the reputation <laughs> of an unemployed homeless hiker is quite valuable. So the monetary penalties imposed for your recklessness may seem steep at first. We might get bankrupted with this one. Yeah. yeah this I regret that such fines may deplete your beer fund, but the liberal media like yourselves has to be taught a lesson that it cannot just spread fake news like this. Oh, and especially on the heels of like that whole country downloads thing. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Oh. I must say I'm deeply disappointed overall in this whole escapade as it flies in the face of the professionalism and seriousness I have come to expect from the trail show over the years. <laughs> Sincerely, not brosive, Joey the Poker Dog Richie. You're bro. Wow. We are so sorry. <laughs> Man, I, you guys really upset brosive. I don't, no, I don't get yep. that. Twinkle, well, you want to read I, one? Yeah, I think D'Lo just, you know, he set him off. You yeah. set him off. Can we change it three. to Jabroni? <laughs> Jabroni. Bro-chachi? 
<laughs> I like it. Ross from Facebook. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Thanks for the show, guys. I live in Southwest China. 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 <laughs> are, are you trying to get us some of our jobs back, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get some points with Don. Hey, let the man read. Let the man read. Okay, all right. I live in southwest China, where there are few long-distance trails. Few. So your show helps me get my fix. I guess there are historical walking paths between villages. They are hard to find. And we're never quite sure if topo maps or GPS units are legal to use. Are they legal? (laughs) Hmm. I like that country. China. Nobody uses (laughs) GPS? Awesome, yeah. All right. We won't even mention the beer situation, (laughs) though it's slowly (laughs) improving. Okay. Has anybody had Chinese beer before? Uh, I haven't. Tsingtao? I think I've had a couple of... They they sell a few in the U.S. They do? Yeah. I've had Naples beer, like a shirt house. Naples? What? Like Naples? Like in <laughs> Naples, Florida? No, no, no. no not Naples. Oh, Napoli. Napoli. That's the UP talking there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, the Naples. Look, look at Gray's laughing. Yeah. All right. What else? Hmm. Anyways, thanks for your work. Keep up the beers, trails, and nonsense. So we were talking about this. But I, I mentioned this letter to you guys today about someone who had said, that isn't, wasn't sure if it was legal to use Topo Maps or GPS. I feel like China has cell phones, right? They yeah. do. Yeah. Apps. So uh, QED, as they say. Yeah. Maybe it was. But what about maybe it was Topo sarcasm. Maps? Maybe it was sarcasm. Does anybody have any Topos of China? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Can a historical walking path be hard to find? Sure. If it's Depends not on used how anymore. Between villages. Sure. What do they do? The Chinese like, Wall. Mm, that's oh. a long distance. But that's not hard. If you can see it from space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it from your face. <laughs> all right, what's number four in the mailbag? Uh, Sean from Alaska writes, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of the crew at the trail show. The trail show is very helpful getting me through the darkness of the Alaska winter, seasonal affective disorder, etc. Keep it up. Hope someday there'll be a show on an Alaskan through hike. Will be tough. Thanks. Oh, we be hey, tough. Tough with two, yeah, two we Fs? We be tough. Wait, tough with two Fs? Yeah, no. that's okay. Nice. She's hip-hop. Are there long Alaska. trails in Alaska? Skirka? Uh, I mean, the Brooks... Well, that was a route he made up. I guess the the Iditarod route, I know people No, walk. that one's... Is, it, I remember when people were talking about... They're trying to build like this official national scenic yes. show using that, and then they... You know, someone from the Iditarod was like, well, don't forget about the Iditarod. And aren't they trying to build a trail that parallels the the pipeline? Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I think they were going to use some of that. Okay, but you know, even uh, what's her name, Miles for breakfast. Uh, Christian yeah. Gates. Yeah, Christian Gates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Gates of the Arctic. Okay. All right, we got one more. Should, Nate. I, re- should I read this yeah, one? Sure. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nate from his iPhone says, "Dirtmonger is cool. He does cool stuff." I hope you all have him on the future show. Rock on. Thanks for sending that in, Dirtmonger. I mean, Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Your wish is granted. Not only did we have him on the show, he read your letter. That's pretty cool. Unfortunately, he's probably not going to be on the show again. Next time, address me as as DM, please. (laughs) (laughs) Also, also, Mr. Out of Order texted me last week and said that two-hour shows are unacceptable. And that he demands three to four hour shows. He wow. got a three hour show last month. Yep. 
What about <laughs> donors? <laughs> what did I miss? Donors. What just happened? Nothing. Okay. You'll donors. find it in editing. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll hear it when you're yeah, yeah, editing. Okay, we've got our monthly donors. Uh, <laughs> we've got Gooey Bear, Bernard Wolf. We need to send him some of these. Some of these gummies Some of these gummy bears? Yeah, gummy bears. Gummy beers. We've got <laughs> Russ Kinder. Russ Kinder. Craig Gully. 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 Uh, Chris Smith, a.k.a. Gringo Madness. We've got the Bobby Walters. The. <laughs> Joshua Bowden. Josh. And it is Bowden. Yes. Diane Pinkers. Diane. Pinkerstein. David Vetti. Hey, bowl of pasta as big as your head. Justin Quality <laughs> Knowles. Quality. What a guy. Jason Lurch, not Church Dean. Not Church, Ingr- not ever. Ingrid Gerard. Ah, Vermont. <laughs> Samuel, <laughs> Samuel Emery. Sam. Uh, Rudy from NorthCascadesHikerPodcast.com. Rudy. Hi. Uh, Jeffrey Caldwell. What a guy. Buddy Sessoms. The hey, Buddy, Buddy Sessoms. And Pat Axel Dixon. Yeah. XYO. We also had uh, a one-off this month, Wesley the Orange Phillips. <laughs> the Orange. Nice. Cool. Yes. Thank and you, also, of course, our beer donor, Curtis Barrett. The, the Curtis Barrett. The Curtis, Curtis Barrett, who sent us a monster, heavy hitting selection. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Delicious. Did you Fo guys shatter. crack that barley wine? I saw a little yes. Oh, there's yeah. barley wine? Yeah, barley there's barley wine. We're yeah. trying to keep you yeah. off of it, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Fantastico. <laughs> All right, let's do Ask a Hiker with P.O.D. She's taking it Take over, that, D-Lo. Take that, oh. Take, Take that, D-Lo. All right, did you, <laughs> yes. did you get any questions this month, P.O.D.? I did. I got lots of questions. All right, let's start with so the first. So many more than D.Lo ever got. Let's start with the first, <laughs> and then we'll end them. with the last. Okay. Let's see. Let me just thumb through all these letters that I got. All right, what do you got? <sighs> okay, it says... Um, <laughs> wow, go easy. That barley wine is crazy. Ooh. I told okay. you about it. Says, first let me just say that Ask a Hiker will never be the same without D-Lo. Sure, I might be able to get the overall information, but it will be lacking without you and Pod arguing about how much of the question to read and reread. <laughs> Alas. P.O.D., would you just get on with it? <laughs> I, I, thi- I think Hustle you misread some of that. You might need to take Should it I start over? Yeah, you should probably take it. No. I have, I have recently found myself in a position where I can work on and off for four to six months a year, all of the time schedule I agree to, and the months don't even have to be continuous. Ooh. This opens a world of opportunities for me. I am already a triple crowner and have comp- completed a Bang. few other shorter trails, but now I have so much more time in, in any season I want. I have no yard to landscape, so I figure I should get back to hiking. <laughs> I'm interested in some of the adventures that Brian Buck 30 Tansman has completed. Boring. Like the TA <laughs> and the Israel National Trail. But I'm hesitant because it seems like Disco and POD hated the TA so much that they would probably not break if they were driving and saw Buck 30 in the crosswalk. Oh, wow. That's, that's really harsh. That's such a harsh what statement. What trails do you suggest, and should I be looking towards other hikers such as Buck 30 for ideas? Thanks so much. Yes. And thanks yes. so much. And R.I.P. D.Lo, the old Hawaiian mo- mountain goat. If the months don't wow. have to be continuous, does that mean they're turning into a section hiker? Well, I think they're just saying that they can hike they got shorter options. trails. Options yeah. That was a hell of a letter, people. I mean, that was deep. They came deep. out throwing some punches there. 
He did ask if he should take advice from Brian Buck Thirty Dancemen. Is that? I mean, if you like road walking, then yeah, you definitely should. Wow, that's that's, <laughs> that's tough. Rough. That's, that's tough. rough. Road walking and diet coke fixes. <laughs> mm. And accounting in your off season. So I think yeah. the question <laughs> was the question like I, this guy now has. <laughs> Six to eight months of I, vacation time. Yeah, it sounds like maybe he's asking about wh- where can he look to what what other maybe possibly who what other hikers are there out there that he could follow to get some ideas about you know because sometimes you yeah, yeah. see other people doing things and you're like oh hey I I should check that out then you go look at a map and then you're like oh I should do this thing or this thing or uh, I think you know, one what? of them's in the room yeah uh, Marcus Selig yeah what's yeah, up what would you do <laughs> <laughs> you got it what what is this person's uh. name. It is the old Hawaiian mountain okay. goat. Okay, old Hawaiian mountain goat. You need to go to freedirtmonger.blogspot.com <laughs> yep. and just start at the beginning and finish at the end. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, D- our buck thirty is a good one too, right? He's diverse. Of course. Right. Wrong. <laughs> wow, <laughs> man, Twink, what's up with that? It's because they're like the same person. Yeah, yeah it's true. Rivals. Okay. Yeah, they're like both <laughs> five foot three. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both accountants. Yeah. And they both like to walk. That's. It's true. We did. When they we battle, did. they get out calculators. And I think they're both bald. <laughs> coming out, it's and they're both bald. Fingers are just going until yeah. smoke's coming out of a little typewriter deal. Who basically whoever is like typewriter keyboard thing fails first wins. <laughs> Twinkle has better taste in beer. Gotta say. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, isn't Buck Corona? Thirty like all about like the thirty pack of the cheap whatever? Uh, he doesn't even. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just know drinks. What he's drinking, he doesn't yeah. even know. He doesn't. So know. what? Are, what other hikers? Well, there's a there's this girl named Not a Chance. You may have heard yeah. her on a previous trail show, and she's pretty rad. Snorkel, mm-hmm. she does cool stuff. Snorkel. And Snorkel does a mix of things, you know, With the, the urban Thomas. stuff and some yeah. cross country stuff. Fifth chair, you know? yeah. Who else is out there doing? Crazy? I would also suggest that I would also suggest if you're looking for that type of information, maybe you should attend one of the Alda West gatherings or the Rocks ah. yeah. where they give presentations. And just so happens that there's the Idaho Ruck coming up on February 4th. And uh, there's also the Cascade Ruck on February 27th, 28th. The NorCal Winter Ruck on March 4th. And the Colorado Ruck right here in Golden, Colorado on March 12th. A lot of these rucks are organized by Alda West, so you can get more info at aldawest.org. It's A-L-D-H-A West dot O-R-G. And the gathering specifically always has a mix of interesting, you know, trails. Yeah, beer. And, 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 and a keg. Yeah, and you'll, yep. you'll run into other hikers that are doing yep. other things. And, and you'll meet people that'll be, that they'll tell you about some cool trail they just heard about. That's you right. Know. Um, I, I'll say that, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe... Let me rephrase that. Instead of maybe looking for an individual and seeing like stuff that they've hiked, um, lots of people, if you just sort of put out there into your your sphere of hiker friends, like, hey, what's a crazy cool like off the wall trail that you want to do? You might end up getting some some results that you wouldn't get by just asking some of these other like big name yeah. hikers or whatever. You know, yeah. so. Or famous podcasters. Yeah. Also, Bobcat. go through the back catalog yeah. of Trail Show. We've got 55 Trail of the Bobcat. Month segments yeah. at this point. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of ideas out there. I'll tell you so. what, Bobcat's not hiking the summer. A trail that involves trail maintenance. Well, and then there's, uh, I mean, you could always check out uh, Brett Tucker as well. Bobby B? Yes. He's, yeah. I mean, he is sort of the, the master planner for uh, some pretty cool routes, so... Yeah, yeah. It's, what, Zoner's site, he does all kinds yeah. of yeah. 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 Cool food hiker. Cool stuff. 
Yeah. Sweet. All right. Very good. What other questions do you have? Okay. Dear Trail Show, I've been hiking but never in the snow. I am planning on hiking the CDT in 2018. In the snow? And want to learn the basics. Mm. Well, you know, because you, you know, you got to hike through some snow, especially yeah. if you go northbound. Is there a similar course in Colorado that you can recommend or site to view instead? I've lived my whole life in Texas, so hiking in the snow is a foreign concept to me. This is the website I found, and it's mountaineducation.org, snow basics, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, Mike D. from Texas. Okay, so this Mountain guy... education, is that... Is that yeah, I don't, don't take that class. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. I mean, like... <sighs> well, like, hold up. Let me let me make sure. So the question is, this guy has lived in Texas all his life. He's never hiked in snow. He's going to do a CDT through hike where he's going to likely hike in snow. So he wants some experience hiking in snow before the hike. And he's, but he's you don't necessarily like, have to hike in that snow that you okay. think you're going to encounter. But I think it's good for, if he's saying it might happen and I want to be prepared for it. I think that's what he's saying. I, it's a good point. I, I, the thing is, is there's not really a whole lot that you can... You can learn some basics about like how to walk on snow, but none of that means anything until you just get out and walk on snow. I can tell you like, oh hey, when you're walking on sun cups, don't step into the bottom of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can tell you like, oh look for shadows when you're on a snow field and step in the shadows because they're probably going to be a little bit firmer. Well, but you, I think step on, like, I, yeah, I, sun, really want, I mean, I think I learned more of my snow walking yeah. just by going. I never took a class. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like, mean, if you know you're going to have to cross snow, try to do it earlier in the morning rather than later in the day. But, well, hold on, a hold on a second. But there are some things that you can do. Okay, if, I think if you have no experience hiking on snow and you're like, I would like to have some experience hiking on snow before I get there. I think that's what he's saying. Here, here's he's some not things. asking for just uh, Here's some advice. things. I, I, no, think, that's, yeah. I think, like, you, you know, a lot of it is it how you plan the trail that you're going into. Like, if, if Colorado's getting hit with the heavy snow year, you're going to push your start date back. Or you might potentially think about going southbound. Um, sometimes you don't know, though. Sometimes, well, sometimes you, you don't be know. hiking in April, <coughs> May, not then, knowing well, that, that the yeah, mountains the are getting time. pounded that right. whole time with snow. Right. And then you might get that caught up happen. in snow or whatever. Then you might have to flip or something. Like, the CDT is kind of one where, like, a flip is okay, right? I mean, everyone's kind of cool any with that. Tra- any trail, a flip is okay. Yeah. And because the other you one design I think, your own thing. The other That's one right. I think is, like, a big... Doesn't count. Important part about it, before you even <laughs> go out and try to walk on snow is that you don't have to follow a trail when there's a bunch of snow. Like yeah, you don't follow true. that red line on the map. Yeah. Like it, you may not be able to find it, so you're going to have to be walking on snow. So find the right way to walk on snow. But, there, but there's yeah. more than walking. There's there's the camping in snow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. How do you set up the tent? How do you level out your your tent base? How do you get your water? You know, there's a lot I of think, things. How to do you think keep about. your shoes from freezing overnight? I think. Yeah. I mean, th- this yeah. guy's from Texas. And if he has the means, I think the CMC actually offers yeah. a ton of on-snow yep. courses where you can go for camp for days at a time. You can use snowshoes. You can u- learn how to use an ice axe. Like they offer some pretty in-depth training. Wilderness Trekking School covers all of that. Oh, okay. okay. There WTS. Knowles have courses too. Didn't Knowles have? Uh, yeah, a lot yeah, of times sure. you can yeah. you can take uh, classes through your local REI uh, or Outfitters. Yeah, yep. uh, even if they don't have stuff locally, they can point you in the direction of um, somewhere. Like he actually asks if there are any similar courses in Colorado. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yes is CMC. the answer to that. There's absolutely a number of courses here in Colorado that will give you uh, a good experience, some theoretical knowledge to to work from. And, and I think yeah. for for anybody who's planning a trip like that, where you <coughs> don't have the experience you know i think what dm said is like doing some pre-planning about okay how do i just not have to do this thing that i don't have experience with and then 
Also, if you have the means and you can go in advance and like learn some skills, I think that's you have to be flexible in. Yeah, like you can't just say, "Hey, I'm May 18th. I'm northbounding this." Like you, you have to adapt. I mean, like when I first did the CDT, I moved to Colorado specifically so I could watch snow levels. So I, I was watching it all winter so I could plan my start date with if it was a month in advance. Fine, I and I pushed it back. But I, I think the other one is that I think mountain education is basically Sierra based. And that is Sierra-based snow, not what you're right. going to get in Colorado. Right. That's yeah. the Sierra yeah. cement. You're going to get fluffy powder. And, and, and that, that, that website, or, I'm sorry, that company is run by Ned Tibbetts, and his focus is on uh, education for PCT thru-hikers oh, who are going okay. into the Sierra during thru-hiker kind of season. Right. He also does some other stuff for, like, winter camping or whatever. And but I think like, even southbounding up in... Yeah. 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 Um, POD mentioned the CMC earlier. So that's the Colorado Mountain Club. Their website, cmc.org. There's a wealth of information on there and also how to sign up for classes. I would also recommend contacting, contacting the Continental Divide Trail Coalition. If you're going to be hiking the CDT and you want to know about snow, you know, snow conditions or what to expect while you're out there on snow, they are the nonprofit that... The authoritarian. <laughs> yeah, that is in charge of the CDT. So call them. The other thing I'll throw out there is in... So P.O.D. and I hiked the CDT in 06. She self-arrested with an ice axe on her second day on the trail. And we had friends that were northbounders who also self-arrested with, with ice axes in the San Juan. So I would submit that, you know... And, and maybe some people in this room will disagree with me. But I would submit that if you're going to through like the CDT, whether you're going south or north... You need to know how to self-arrest with an ice axe. Now, what you do with that knowledge is that's up to you. But you know, we got trained on how to self-arrest with an ice axe by a friend who's a mountaineer and he'd been on Everest, and and so it was just kind of a personal thing. We didn't pay money to do it, but there's plenty of classes out there where you can learn how to self-arrest or you know get in touch with somebody who can teach you how to do this. And, you know, you might have to pay for it, especially if you're coming from Texas. But it's it's a skill that's worth knowing, especially if you're going to be through hiking the CDT. And, and it's a skill worth practicing, too. Yeah, that, yeah. It's really yeah. easy. To, you can go online right now and, and read a very quick you thing can. on, like, how to self-arrest. And, and the basics of it are very simple. But when you're, like, when you've just lost your footing and you're sliding down some surface and you're going, ah! Yeah, like taking <laughs> that, like oh, let me think back to that thing that I saw with that nice infographic of how I turn over onto my no. Like yeah. you need to get out there and actually practice the skills too. So. There's nothing more silly on the trail than someone with an ice axe who doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing more. Silly. I actually, I will say there is. Yeah, it's I when think that so. same person is actually crossing a snowfield with that ice axe on their backpack. Yeah, yeah. and not in their hand. <laughs> ready, but, yes. they ready don't know to know how to use it. Yeah, yeah, if you if you take a tool with you. Regardless of what it is, but certainly something that like where your life and your safety are involved, please know how to use it. That's the same as taking a topo map and saying, "I don't know how to read topo lines." But you've got the map. Yeah, right. You're using your map on your phone, and or you have bear spray, and it's in the back of your backpack, not in your hip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Whenever I see spot devices actually on the on the brains or on the tops of people's packs, all I can think is like. Sweet. So I hope you can reach that when you actually fall down a 
cliff and like break yourself or something and you can't even move. <laughs> break no, seriously, it's, it's a piece of advice that I've always given every time I've done a shakedown that somebody has a spot device or a, a PLB is it should be strapped securely to the to the chest or like, you know, front of them so that even right. if even if like the worst happens, like they can maybe with their broken body somehow manage to press the button. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. It's true. It's true. All right. What else did you have for Ask a Hiker? Uh, I think that's it. What? Whoa. Just two questions? Well, I, what about I hiking with the dog? Just two? No, I think we'll save that one for next month. Okay. <laughs> We're, we've been saving that one for next month for like the last six months. I know. I'm okay. pretty sure it's been on every show sheet I've ever read. <laughs> Don't worry, Emily from Ventura. We're going to get to your question. We're getting there. We're going to get there. Before hiking season. Promise. Let's rock out. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, 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 All right, oh, special. Oh, oh. What do you got for us this <laughs> month? Wait, I'm supposed to give you something? Yeah, I think you've got a little tent stake. Oh, that's right. It's that time of the show. All right. So in our continuing series, Tent Stakes, the complete guide to all things backpacking, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to talk about a uh, tent stake. This is a pretty standard one. Uh, typically comes with a car camping um, setup tent. Mm. Uh, it's not quite a shepherd's hook. I would call this more like the shepherd's angle, right? Okay. Because it it's straight, <laughs> and then it just kind of comes up, and then like... Goes back down at sort of a somewhat severe angle. The seven. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah a little bit like a seven or like a really tall one maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is one of the best features of this tent stake is that you can find it in almost any campground in the U.S. That's right. on, on the ground yeah. somewhere. I in think fact, that's where we got that one. In fact, yeah. I pretty much find one of these at almost every single established campground. Ever. Uh, last time I was up in RMNP, we were camped next to some lake. I found like two of these. So right on. Um, yeah, it's metal. It's straight, and you stick it in the ground. Uh, it kind of works. It will bend. Uh, you can kind of bend it back, and uh, it's a stake. That was fast, man. Yeah. I, uh, we'll, we'll weigh it as well, but I yes. have no idea how much it weighs. We we, we selected this one kind of last minute, folks. If, if you can believe that. <laughs> I can't. I can't actually believe that. How hey. many of us have used that one? Uh, <laughs> oh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a pinch, it'll oh, yeah. work. Yeah, that's sure. the one you find one at every campground. You're like, yes, a free tent stake for my fat man camping tent. Yeah, well, and what's great about them is like, so you ever camp on those on the tent platforms yes. that they have? Uh, and those horrible. things are terrible so because hard. they have like, it, I think they fill them with concrete and then they put like a <laughs> half a centimeter of, of dirt on top. Because I've never bent more stakes or broken more stakes than in those like those camp. Yeah, terrible. So these are actually great for that because you can bend the hell out of them, and then and who cares? Exactly. You can just like find another one in the camp spot right next to you. Boom! Just pull bam. it out from someone else's tent. I actually did have another ask a hiker. Question. Oh, sorry. Let's and, go back and, to that. And it's actually a question I have for everyone in the room. Ooh. Oh. So this summer, I met a hiker named Me Too at the Alderbrook Manor in Etna, California, mm. and um, she told me about. This thing that happens on trail that I'd never heard of before. Do you call it a flat tire? Does it? Did any of you know what a flat tire is? Like with your shoe? Yes. So somebody, another hiker, is walking too close to you, mm-hmm. behind you, and you they step on the back of it. They step on the back of your shoe, and you literally come out of your shoe. Yeah, and as kids, you give someone a flat tire. I've like never in high heard of hallways this and stuff like that, or a basketball player, you step on his shoe, and give him a flat tire. <laughs> Huh. That's awesome. So the more you know. But I've never done it on trail. I've like, never done it on trail, but I, it happened to her on trail, on the PCT. Like on purpose? No. So someone's that's a crowd. Like somebody that, was like, that's, uh, that's that a mulish to, to walk to, like, get past their backpack and still get. Man, that's just that's wrong, uh, though. If somebody like steps on the back of your foot. And they need to be in the front. 
What know. What is the question? The question is, has this ever happened to anyone in the room while on trail? You know what I used to do is no. like, no. sometimes I'd walk. Like I, if I have trekking poles, sometimes I kind of like let them hang at the side. And if, if someone's get too close, I kind of keep my trekking poles out. Like, let, hey, man. Yeah. like Start kicking know. some dirt. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. I don't want to be rude and say back the f- I just off, fart. But... Yeah, I mean, you need a little rip. Yeah. Just rip, yeah, just rip one, and it doesn't even have to be a real fart. Just make a fart sound. A little and, downwind, and, and, and be like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah, they'll get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, folks, it's the part of the show. Don't get flat tires. Where are we in the show? Thanks what? to everyone for tuning in today. I know. How did it go by so fast? And thank you everybody for being here. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we got a lot of folks in the studio. Yeah. Big thanks to Marcus Selig from National Forest Foundation for coming on the show tonight. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Marky Mark. Big thanks to Dirtmonger for what talking to us DM. on the Great Ow. Basin Traverse. DM. I mean, DM. <laughs> a big thanks to Twinkle for being our Moses. That's right. <laughs> I like the BM. <laughs> and a huge thanks and praise to all our monthly PayPal donors. Big, big thanks to Curtis Barrett for tonight's delicious beers. And to the bald eagles that delivered them. That's right. Those are great eagles. And thanks goes to Pat Axel Dixon for sending us some music to play during the first and second breaks of the show. And by the way, if you are a musician and you have something you think would be good on the show, shoot us an email at music at thetrailshow.com. And our crack staff will get back to you. Within as a week or two. Our crackhead staff. As soon as they put That's the crack right. pipe There's down. a lot of hippie hikers, man. There's got to be a lot more music than what I you know. I know. I know. They all carry What's like up? mandolins and shit. I know. Send yeah. it. Yeah. If you, shoot as, us you an know, email. Get it here. If, if you've written something on the trail or recorded something on the trail, like, let's hear it. Yeah. Or even in your, just in your house. doesn't here, have to be here, on the trail. You know what? Bring it. <laughs> Bring it. You can always find us at thetrailshow.com. At twitter.com slash trail show on Facebook and Instagram at The Trail Show on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and of course on iTunes. We're on Twitter. You know where to find us. Another trail show is coming gone, but don't cry. We'll be back in February with more beers, trails, and nonsense, and possibly a visit from a previous co host that is now busy draining the swamp. Whoa. Oh, until then, for the Princes of Darkness, Special 41, Dirtmonger, Twinkle, and Marcus, I'm Disco. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Oh, yeah. Go Tigers. Drain the swamp. Go Tigers. Go Sweeney. What's draining the swamp mean? Sweeney. Does that mean like changing your underwear? Flat. Maybe for you. Maybe for you. Wow, I change the swamp all the time. He's dabbing. dabbing. He's dabbing. Oh, oh boy. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> is he dabbing or is he just having a seizure? I don't know. It's unclear. Oh, my God. How about that? those beer g- gels and gummy bears? Oh How about God. that? D- not recommended. Tastes like feet. Tastes Ugh. like feet. Tastes Thank like you. Tastes like tastes it came from the swamp and DM's like underwear. Ooh, the swamp. Tastes the swamp like Betty Dabo Swinney likes those beer jokes. What? It's time for some more brandy wine. Oh, my God. All right, that's a show. Right on, man. <laughs> the only reason I want to go to Tonopah is for the Clown Motel, really. You walk through those puddles, people. You walk through those puddles. Yeah, but, yeah!
Кит, что это такое? Бомбардировка, нахуй. Арп-подготовка, 